Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. Fun show planned for you today. I've got Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, and our pal Jared Dillard hanging out with us on today's program. If you want to be a part of the show, give us a call 334-887-3401. Hit us up Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sports Call AU. Let's get right to it. Loads of fun. This Tuesday is going to be a great one brooks childress how are you friend how are you guys doing i am doing phenomenal today it is a great great tuesday my first show of the week i think all well except for you jj i think it's all of our first shows of the week jared's not usually here so he's it's always (laughs) his first show of the week but me and you ryan are both of our first shows of the week had a great weekend uh went up to atlanta i know we were in atlanta last week and i missed it so much two days later i had to go back uh went to talk with some gas I mean, after the result from the Braves game, it kind of was, but like it was still enjoyable. Yeah, like I said. Um, but yeah, went to the Braves game on Sunday versus the Angels. Not the result Braves fans would have wanted, but it was still it was my first Braves game in I think two or three years since 2019. So it's uh, it's been a while since I was at. I think this. I, I think, and Ryan, you may, you have a better memory than me. I think when did they change to Truist Park? Uh, twenty. Was it not? Was twenty nineteen not the last year? Because I feel like I I don't I feel like it's eighteen. I was, okay, I was gonna say I don't remember. Think I was in a in a what what year did the Warriors? Was it the same year the Warriors uh, broke the record to the record? No. I know we went to a game that year. Yeah, that was twenty sixteen. Well, was that was that the last? You know, I'm gonna say SunTrust Park. Da- SunTrust Park is twenty seventeen. Split the difference. Twenty seventeen was first year as Trust Park as or as a as a. Are you saying park. you've never been? What are you saying? The name, <laughs> the name of the oh, stadium was Tru- oh, uh, Trust oh, Park. Oh, yeah. oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I think. I think Tomo. Twenty seventeen. The year before was the year that they started playing there. Oh, you make more sense. How about that, bro? I'm sorry. Truist Park began in twenty twenty. Okay, so so I've never. This is the first time I've been to a game at technically Truist Park. At the baseball stadium, it, I've been to several different? games. Did it feel different? It was different walking up and seeing the signage. I'll tell you that much. Because I was used to seeing SunTrust Park. But the first time in the Truist Park. So I guess I'm 0-1 in Truist Park. You ever been to Georgia State Stadium? Or what are they called now these days? Uh, something Credit Union. First Bank Credit Union or something. Turner Field. It was Turner. I've, I went to one game at Turner Field. It was 20... 2013, last year of Chipper Jones, and the Braves got beat by the uh, Blue Jays very badly. 
Um, well, that to say, the Blue Jays have been bidding up on a lot of teams badly lately. So. That to say, I went to a game this weekend, first time since 2019. Uh, I'd been to a Braves game. Very enjoyable experience uh, outside of what happened on the field. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was fun. I'm glad to be back in Auburn for a little bit. Not too much longer. Still a lot of travel to get, go this summer before football gets here. Um, Braves then have now been on, gone since I uh, since Sunday. They've now on a two game losing streak. Lost to the Phillies last night. Uh, late a late three run home run gave the Phillies the lead that they wouldn't give up again against the the uh, Braves. Looking to bounce back tonight. And uh, a lot of stuff to talk about today on today's show. Got a lot of guests coming up today and. Uh, a lot of Auburn baseball news to get to today. Yeah, I think that's the biggest story uh, around Auburn today. I was going to add to your Braves thought that they have not lost three games in a row this year, so they're trying to ward that off again. Uh, that would be a, their, their worst losing streak of the season, which says a lot about their consistency, never having a huge rut, but at the same time, they are up against it a little bit here for the first time in a while after their incredible month of june and and really most of july at this point now as well uh but yeah doing well very excited about the auburn baseball news um i know we'll dive more into into it a little bit later on but getting seats on top of the green monster uh, getting seats on top of the the hitting facility in right field really exciting and there's some other changes too i don't want to go all the way into it but I think it's going going to be really welcome addition into Plainsman Park. I think you've seen, uh, even with this team being better, I mean, admittedly, you've not seen packed houses, and there's still some excitement level to be gained by the fans. So I, I don't think it's about gaining seats here. I think it's about a, you know adding ways to take in the game, adding ways to experience the game, and there's going to be luxury boxes along the first baseline so just adding different ways to to take the game in i think is going to be very exciting i think that will be a hot ticket to be up in right field and up in left field so i I think that's really big news for butch thompson his auburn baseball club so overall uh doing very well and yeah i think that uh, will be really exciting uh, to talk about and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it today and throughout the program. No kidding. We've got a fun show planned for you here. Lindsey Crosby locked on MLB prospects and the baseball writer for Auburn Daily will join the show to talk about those Plainsman Park renovations. Haven't spent much time really talking about all the Auburn Tigers that were drafted at the next level in Major League Baseball. That was taking place while we were at SEC Media Days and that took away from the baseball headlines. But we do want to touch on that. Bennett Durando, a beat writer for the Auburn uh, beats with the Montgomery Advertiser. He will be on our program at 5.15. First time appearance for him on the show, and we're looking forward to having that conversation a little bit later. Again, J.J. Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and uh, Jared Dillard. And, man, it's just it's always good to have Jared around. Hey, buddy. Oh, hi. Pleasure seeing you. Well, you know, I kind of just wandered in off the streets. <laughs> uh, I was kind of hungry, um, but didn't find anything, and then I got kidnapped. So, and here we are, and we've got Thunder Chicken softball a little bit later tonight. All of us were you say away. a little uh, bit later. Do you know what time the game is? Yeah, it's late, eight thirty. Yeah, yeah. It's, we're we're basically packed twelve after darking it tonight. Yeah. We're five hours and 20 minutes away from first pitch. Oh, oh when you put it like that, it's yeah. terrible. We've got a ways to go until that happens. I'm going to take a nap. We always were doing weather dances uh, on Tuesdays, 
And last week was a little bit different because we were in Atlanta. The team still played uh, without us. And, and Jared, you were away at a conference out of town as well. Yeah, uh, we're, we're always We're always like doing this weather dance to see if we can play. Yeah. And now we've got to wait even longer after the show ends because, you know, things wait, can change. Let me, let me just throw something in there. Mobile sucked, Brooks. <laughs> I, listen, 251 is a great area. I don't speak for everybody. It just randomly rained. Yeah. Welcome to Mobile. That's horrible. Yeah. Mobile, New Orleans, Seattle, all the same. Like it, it was just sunny. It raining. was sunny on one side of the block. Yeah. And then by the time I reached the crosswalk, oh, yeah. no, really? it looked like Katrina popped back up. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Mobile. It Man. was horrible. I think I saw, or I think it was. Shout out to Felix from Mobile, one of our new callers that we love that calls into the show. I think it's oh, a scientific. Felix are going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a scientific fact that. By volume, it rains more in Mobile than Seattle, but Seattle gets more day coverage. Like, there's more days that it rains in Seattle, but volume-wise, it, it rains more precipitation in Mobile. I mean, I believe Are you it. proud of that? Eh? That was, like, humid. <laughs> yeah. It was. It sucked. There were bugs. They just say, don't wear long sleeves. What do, you, what do, you, do you ever see me with short sleeves? Yeah. I do not. So, no, that was horrible. Yeah, I never see you with short sleeves. Anyway. Good food, though, right? I did go to Squid Ink. Okay. All right. I don't know if y'all been there. Can't say that I have. Can't say that I have either. Did oh. you get whacked out wiener? What, it, what, what did you say to me? Is that even <laughs> FCC appropriate? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's a good a spot. hot dog spot down there. Yeah. Yeah. Wha- what? What is it? Whacked out hot wiener. dog. Oh well, yeah. Well, yeah. What's what a hot, is a hot dog? Okay, but what's so what, what what's so appealing about this place? Like, if we'll, it's we'll like t- a specialty dog, or we'll something? talk about it in break. Yeah, we okay. got to get to a break. We'll have that conversation in just a moment. Oh my god, it is time for a break. Yeah, first break coming up here on the program. We celebrate some birthdays in sports after this on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. This is Jake Crane, host of The J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard inside our studios here on South College Street. We hope that you are doing well on this Tuesday. What we want to do right now in our program is take this opportunity to celebrate the great birthdays that are happening today. What do you say, Brooks? Absolutely. Let's do it. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Oh, yes. Birthdays in Sports, July 26, 2022. Who do you got? Well, we got some football birthdays for today. We'll start in the basketball world, though. 
Turning 47 today is a former NBA forward, Joe Smith. He's turning 47. Smith played college baseball at Maryland. Boo. Go Terps. Where he was the National Collegiate Player of the Year in 1995 as a sophomore. He left college after that year was taken first overall in the NBA draft. I think that's probably supposed to say basketball. Played college basketball at Maryland, not baseball. Uh, in the NBA draft that year by the Golden State Warriors. Spent 16 years in the NBA with various teams. Joe Smith turning 47 years old. 16-year NBA veteran, as you said. Happy birthday. Uh, to the NFL world, the football world, a former NFL defensive back is turning 83 years old today. Bob Lilly. Lilly played at TCU. Go Frogs. Where he was a consensus All-American as a senior and earned a spot in the College Football Hall of Fame. Lilly became the first ever draft choice of the Dallas Cowboys in 1961 when he went 13th overall. He spent his entire 13-year career in Dallas and was a seven-time All-Pro, 11-time Pro Bowler, one-time Super Bowl champion, and a member of the NFL Hall of Fame. Bob Lilly, 83 years old. Happy birthday, Bob. Turning at 27 years old today is a running back for the Chicago Bears, Tariq Cohen. Cohen attended North Carolina A&T. Let's go Aggies. Was a three-time MEAC Player of the Year. Three-time FCS All-American. 2015, he helped the Aggies to a Black College Football National Championship with a win in the Celebration Bowl. Following his senior season, he was drafted by the Bears in the fourth round of the 2017 draft. He is a one-time Pro Bowler and one-time All-Pro. Treat Cohen turning 27 years old today. Happy birthday. And then an Auburn birthday to tell you about. Turning 21 years old today as a center for the Utah Jazz, Walker Kessler. All right. 21 21 years old. old. He can drink. That's right. Well, not in Utah. Right. Not in Utah. (laughs) Kessler signed with UNC and transferred to Auburn. They're a little strict out there, aren't they, Brooks? Yeah. Uh, Not even coffee. Right. Uh, As a sophomore with the Tigers, he led the nation in blocks and was Defensive Player of the Year and an All-American. Walker Kessler turning 21 years old today. So happy birthday, Walker Kessler. Happy birthday, Tariq Cohen. Happy birthday, Joe Smith. And happy birthday, Bob Lillian. Of course, if it's your birthday... Happy birthday to you as it's a, well. It's a Mormon thing that we're going for yes. here. Yeah. You can legally go purchase yes. things yeah. at 21 in Utah. Walker Kessler can. Right. If he's not Mormon. We're just, we don't you know. know. Well, he's on the jazz now. We're, we're yeah. talking about Mormons yes. in particular. Yeah. And the jazz have to figure out if they're going to trade Donovan Mitchell or not because the basketball world is kind of waiting on that. And you know, who knows? Walker oh, Kessler could just traded. be thrown in there yeah, too. He's already yeah. traded three times. What if he was? Jared, of the teams we've seen Walker Kessler be a part of so far. UNC, Auburn, <laughs> Memphis, and the Jazz. Well, and don't Memphis, forget, Minnesota. Yeah, okay. So, of the teams, let's stick to the NBA. Okay. The Memphis Grizzlies, the yeah. Minnesota Timberwolves, the Utah Jazz. Oh, my goodness. I forgot he was part, part of the Timberwolves. Let's assume, yeah, he was in the Gobert trade. Let's assume that he's traded to the New York Knicks in the Donovan Mitchell deal. Of those four teams, which one would you want to see him play for? Like, what jersey would Walker Kessler look the best in? He's humongous at seven feet tall. We've got the Grizzlies, the T-Wolves, the Jazz, or the Knicks. I don't want Walker Kessler anywhere near the Knicks. (laughs) Okay. So take them out. New York media will, like, tear anybody apart. So the Grizzlies uniforms, the Jazz, or the Timberwolves? I mean, I do like the Jazz's, like, uh, the the, the shaded orange one. You do? I like those. Yeah, but, okay. But the Jazz always collapse when you need them the most. So, uh, between Memphis and Minnesota, I mean, him with Jaw would be, probably be kind of fun. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. You like the Grizzlies uniform? Uh, Their throwback looks, yeah, too? Yeah, it's, it's better than the Timberwolves. Okay. I'll say. Well, unfortunately, he's playing for the Jazz, so he's not playing well, for either of those teams. But, yeah. Brooks, how would you answer that question? 
What is that question? Walker Kessler, uh-huh. seven feet tall, yep. 21 years old today. Yes. We're assuming he's traded to the New York Knicks. Okay. By the way, this is a major assumption. Yes. Okay. Major. It's just the the Donovan Mitchell noise is there, and Walker Kessler's been traded a million times already, so why not put him in another one? A Knicks uniform, mm-hmm. Jazz, mm-hmm. Timberwolves, Grizzlies, what would he look best in? Walker Kessler. I would say this is how we're spending his birthday celebrating him. I'm. I would say um, um, <laughs> Packer back. <laughs> Memphis, because that's what Jared said. Because they've got the mixture of light blue and dark blue, and he, so he's already been in light blue in Carolina and dark blue at Auburn. Now you're putting some thought into it. So he's already worn those too. So he already looks good in those uniforms. Yeah, that's wise. But I I'll like tell you that. what, I, I think he'd look good in some of those uh, throwback T Wolves uniforms. It's like some uh, some Kevin Garnett era. Yeah. I almost called Kevin Garnett Vince Carter. Uh Uh-oh. That would have been weird. That would have been weird. But uh, Grizzlies would be the best for you. I think so. Yeah. I can't make my mind up. Maybe wearing Knicks across your chest would be pretty cool. Not not for a Knicks player. Yeah. A seven-foot dude out there in a Knicks uniform? Well, that was Porzingis. Porzingis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, well, you, they haven't that seen that before. Do it again. They've never had one ever. Yeah. Happy birthday. What a player he was for Auburn this year. Hey, remember Lynn Sanity? <laughs> yeah, I do. Remember the, the Those week, days were wild. The week and a half where we the NBA was going to fall apart. Those were incredible days. Can we get something like that again? Where is Jeremy Lin at now? I think he's playing in China again. Oh, he was with the Warriors for a hot second, wasn't he? And he's been or in China for two seasons. It was their G League or something. Bring back Jimmer for debt. I haven't forgot about him. I miss Linsanity. Hold on. Jared. That Lakers game was incredible. He had a game winner against the Raptors in that stretch. Jeremy Lin, last team, was the Beijing Ducks. That's the good Chinese team. The last NBA team he was on, the NBA G League team, he was on the Santa Cruz Warriors in 2021. The last NBA team he was on was 2019, the Toronto Raptors. Which he got a ring with. He hardly ever played, but he is an NBA champion. He was started with the Warriors 2010-2011. Had a great year with the Charlotte Hornets alongside Kimball Walker, but the Hornets don't let us have nice things. I was about to say Warriors. So they said, we don't want to bring you back. Knicks, Rockets, Lakers, Hornets, Nets, Hawks, Raptors was his NBA career. Buzz City. Oh well, that's where everybody goes to die. Apparently. City buckets. I mean, how many how many careers have just ended this season in Charlotte? <laughs> Probably a ton. <laughs> Probably a ton. Shout out to Harvard. Would you be thrilled if you got Kemba Walker back? Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. That'd be a good time. How did we get on Jeremy Lin? Linsanity. Because because I was talking about the Knicks. Yeah, and we said that they'd never done anything like have a seven foot tall player. Right, and then we remembered Porzingis. And then we were like, hey, remember when the Knicks had Linsanity? Yeah, okay. It's just important to retrace your thoughts. Again, I would like having Kimba back. I'm serious. That 2015-2016 season when I had Kimba and Jeremy Lin together on the Charlotte Hornets, those were the good old days. Those were the good times indeed. (laughs) I looked up his stats. His highest field goal percentage year was 2018-19 with Atlanta. He only started one game. Heck four, yeah. four, 466 field goal percentage. We call, you know what we call that? Efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he only started 25 games for New York during the Linsanity. 
It was short lived. No, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't like a year thing. It was when I say it may have lasted a month. It may have lasted a month. I'd say his, at, at most his highest year was he. He was in, but he was incredible during that month. He can't miss. I'm trying to see what this. Throw the ball up. The hoop's there somewhere. It's got an asterisk next to his Houston year because he. Or 2012, 2013 was with Houston. It says 82 games played, 82 games started, but that can't be right, can it? I mean, John Wall would disagree with you. Here's the origin for Lynn Sanity. Back in 2011, the New York Knicks waived point guard Chauncey Billups for cap space to sign center Tyson Chandler on December 27th after an injury to guard Iman Shumpert. The team claimed Jeremy Lynn off of waivers to be a backup behind Tony Douglas and Mike Bibby. Recently signed guard Barry Davis had also been injured and was weeks away from being able to play. Because of the lockout, coaches had little opportunity to see Lynn's play and placed him fourth on the point guard depth chart. He stated that he was competing for a backup spot, made his season debut for the Knicks on the road against the Warriors, where he was cheered in his return to Oracle Arena. In January, he was assigned to the Erie Bayhawks of the D-League, and on January 20th, he scored a triple-double and then was called back up to the Knicks, and that's when Linsanity really took off in the games that he was playing there. Those are a lot of throwback names for you 11 years ago in the NBA that was just mentioned. That was pretty wild. Update, he did actually start and play in 82 games for the Houston Rockets in 2012-2013. There you go. So how about that? He did some things. Good for him. He did some things. All right, that was our birthdays in sports here today on Tuesday, July 26th. Joe Smith, Bob Lilly, Tariq Cohen, Walker Kessler all celebrating their birthdays today. Let's take another commercial break. Sports Call continues in a moment. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver. And you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Jared Dillard, Brooks Childress in the studio as well on this Tuesday. Fun show planned for you here on Sports Call, and uh, we've got some breaking news. It's always good to do a program like this in the sports world, continue to give you big news and headlines. Moments ago, Adam Schefter, ESPN, the top NFL reporter, announces that seven-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Julio Jones is signing a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The soon-to-be 45-year-old Tom Brady now will have a chance to throw to the 33-year-old Jones. Julio Jones is going to play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this upcoming season. It's pretty awesome. After a decade of victimizing me. You get to cheer for the guy. I'll get to cheer for him. And uh, Julio is not what he was. Um, he was at one point the best, or at least one of the three best wide receivers in the NFL. 
and I always believe that. I know the conversations always went to like Antonio Brown and uh, I guess towards the you know end of Calvin Johnson's career kind of overlapped with the beginning of Julio Jones and uh, there's been a lot of other guys that have had um, their, their spots in the top five but I, I think that Julio for seven, eight, nine years there uh, was as good as anybody and he's had the last two seasons or so he started to break down he's obviously a bigger body receiver that is an athletic freak that is just starting to have age catch up with him but I think that this is a really logical signing from the standpoint I think when you're 20 to 20 with the football team I I don't think Julio will be uh, nearly as impactful as he used to be and I think that you're going to still be focusing on guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, the newly signed, also former Atlanta Falcon, Russell Gage. But I think that when you're inside the red zone, I think that's when his value being a bigger-bodied receiver is really going to come to play. And look, the Bucks lost Rob Gronkowski. He, for my money, is the best tight end to ever play. And I still think even in his latter days here when he played for Tampa, I think he was still damn good and still one of the better tight ends in the NFL because – people kind of gloss over the fact that yeah he's got all these great statistics catching the ball but he's also a a fabulous blocker Gronkowski was always a great blocker a far better blocker than your average tight end so uh, you're losing a lot with Gronkowski gone even though he is in an older state so you bring in someone else in an older state and of course the Bucks just signed Kyle Rudolph to try and have some of that tight end load but look Tampa is again they're in this like one year window they've got talent They've got really good linebackers, really good um, wide receivers. They've got a good offensive line to varying degrees of age there. But the reality is Tampa's probably got one last year with Tom Brady. And then they're going to have a very weird quarterback situation that will probably not be a good one. So the window is this year. You do put every egg you have in this basket. This is the most losing organization by percentage in the history of the NFL. But it does have two Super Bowls now, so it knows how to take advantage and maximize its opportunity. And so you've got to try and do that one more time while you have Tom Brady. Um, and so I fully support this. You're not, Like I said, you're not going to get a 1,000-yard season out of Julio Jones, but you're hoping that he can help you in these certain situations, specifically around the red zone, um, also around the – uh, you know, third and short situation, but getting Julio, you know, is a big deal for them. And and look, you know, I think one of the things here is he's obviously been getting injured the last couple of years. It's part of his decline. If he's out in the field less, he has less opportunities to get injured. So maybe logic says he can make it th- through a full NFL season if he's only playing a third of the snaps sure. that he's accustomed to playing. So uh, again, a, a big opportunity here. I think it's a no-brainer if you're Tampa. You're going for it. Yeah, you're going to stunt the growth of a couple of guys that you've drafted in recent years like Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota and Jalen Darden uh, out of North Texas, but I mean, again, you're post Tom Brady. What are you? You know, maybe you can hope to be a playoff contender, but you're certainly not going to be a Super Bowl contender anymore. So this is what you've got to do. You've got to maximize your opportunity while Tom Brady is still Buck. Big news: Julio Jones going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He played for the Falcons for a million years. It felt like so. He's no stranger to that NFC South division. Ryan, as you said, several productive games against every team in the NFC South, and now he's playing for one of them in the Buccaneers. Another reporter for. 
uh, ESPN and Field Yates. Field Yates writes the Bucks wide receiver room now includes Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, Julio Jones, Jalen Darden, Tyler Johnson, and Scotty Miller. So big time, big time, big time acquisition taking place for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they have added Julio Jones to the receiver room. What do you think, Jared or Brooks? Let me tell you something. My quarterback would have liked to have him more in his quarter in his wide receiver room. That's neither here nor there. Also, Julio Jones likes the South for some odd reason. He's not leaving. <laughs> you know, so he needs, he needs to figure that out. He's a two five one guy. I mean, to be fair, the Colts are in the AFC South, but I guess Indiana is like the South of the North. So take that for how you will. Uh, it's a good pick for the Bucks. I mean, he's a big body wide receiver. He don't need to play. You know, eighty percent of the snaps. You know, just go out there, red zone situations, or you know, big. If, you, if there's a big mismatch you can get on a, on a small DB, throw Julio out there. You know, um, kind of in the same mindset of you know, trying to think of a wide receiver that kind of like up there in age, and you kind of just throw him out there, kind of. I, mean, I guess for the Colts, I mean, this, this is like a other side of the spectrum. But Ty Hilton's kind of like that for the last year. He was always hurt, but when he got out there, he was that deep ball threat. I mean, that's kind of what Julio is, you know. You got your other wide receivers, but in a red zone situation, throw Julio out there and let him go up there and get it. I was going to point out uh, one of our frequent guests on here, Greg Allman from The Athletic, tweeted, uh, Ryan, you were talking about him against the yeah, Bucks. Yeah, in front of me too, yeah. 16 games against the Bucks, 114 catches for 1,841 yards and 11 touchdowns. And that is the yards are the most ever for a Bucks opponent. Catches uh, match the most and touchdowns are the second highest against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now he's joining them. Yeah, I was not exaggerating. Uh, I mean, if you worked out the math, you know, it was a hundred and – 15 yards, 120 yards a game, something like that. So if you got that 17th game, he's nearly a 2,000-yard receiver in a season if you just played all Bucks games. Um, dude's lit us up, and he's lit a lot of teams up, but but none more than Tampa. And Tampa, a lot of those years were just bad teams with lackluster depth back there in the secondary. But uh, he's certainly done his fair share against Tampa. And, and, again, you know, he's not putting up those numbers this year at age 33, but – you know, it's the more the merrier, and you talk about matchups a little bit there, and and Jared, and and I think you have situations now where you trot out these two tight end packages with maybe Evans and Jones as the wide receivers, and you have Rudolph and uh, Cam Bray as the tight ends, yeah. and then you also have situations where yeah, you could get Julio off the field and may go with the quicker lineup, and then that's when you have like Godwin and Gage and and maybe uh, Scotty Miller out there, so you can really kind of mix and match your wide receiver combos here and uh, obviously Evans will be you know pretty much every down wide receiver but they they have so many guys now they're gonna have to cut one or two that have played in recent years like I said they might cut Jalen Darden uh, a young guy out North Texas that they let be their return man last year but a big move you know these veterans this is kind of how they operate we saw Gronkowski do it last year where he uh, you know, really didn't work out in the offseason and then confirmed he was coming back and everything in July. And you're seeing with Julio, you know, this guy has been unsigned. A lot of talk about this particular marriage months ago. I mean, like as soon as Brady came out of retirement and as soon as Julio became available, I mean, that was the talk that this would be the, the ultimate marriage. And then it got sat on for three or four months. So that is, uh, you know, we figured Julio was going to retire yet, 
and Tampa is a logical spot because they are well positioned to compete for another Super Bowl. And you know, look, if you if it wasn't Tampa, it probably would have been, I guess, Green Bay, and you would have been talking about the next best guy in terms of, of greatness or in terms of talent and everything. And so. You you had a situation here where Julio and his veteran state. We see this in the NBA a lot with ring chasers, and you accomplish a certain amount in your career, and you realize you're you're no longer like the key factor in winning anymore. And then you then figure out one of three things: Do I want to play the most I can still and take advantage of whatever I've got left in my body? Do I want to just get the biggest amount of money and enjoy one final good contract, or do I want to? chase a ring and accept a smaller role than what I could still probably perform at and accept less money than what I could probably still get and try and win that Super Bowl. So uh, definitely exciting for Tampa. Uh, going to be there a lot this year. But, uh, yeah, you know, I don't think it necessarily has the same impact with five years ago because, again, he's not going to be on the field every play. But Tampa trying to make sure they keep New Orleans at arm's length and, and try and – focus on themselves versus Green Bay versus maybe the Rams or, or something like that. 33 years old for Julio Jones and it's crazy how football uh, puts such a great wear and tear on your body and even more crazy what Tom Brady is still able to do at as uh, Adam Schefter said soon to be 45 years old. I'm a big jersey number guy and instantly wondering what number he's going to be given uh, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wore 11 all throughout his days with the Atlanta Falcons. Wore number 8 for the Alabama Crimson Tide wore number eight last season for the Tennessee Titans. Blaine Gabbert currently wears number 11 for the Buccaneers. And Kyle Rudolph was just given number eight for Tampa Bay. I wonder if we'll have some number changes there. I'm the only person who ever wonders about those things, but here we are. Those are important things for me to discuss. Julio Jones and Tom Brady are playing together. Like, that's really cool as a football fan. I like seeing that. At the end of the day, no matter what Julio is, Tom Brady makes wide receivers better. Yeah. And now they're teaming up together. Yeah. Wow. He's not getting passes done by Ryan Tannehill, okay? It's Tom Brady, for God's sakes. He'll be fine. I was going to say, do you think that they give Blaine Gabbard a chance to negotiate for his number? Or do they they just be like, no, we're we're taking this from you? (laughs) They're going to be like, you're still here? (laughs) I've been – well, I've just been concerned how much GM Jason Light seems to value Blaine Gabbard, honestly, because I don't want Blaine Gabbard near the starting quarterback position in in a year or two. (laughs) So, honestly, just cut him. Let Trask be the backup. Just cut him. Well, what happened to was Felipe Franks drafted by the Buccaneers? He no, plays no, for the Falcons. Falcons. Falcon. Never mind. Falcons. He is who, a tight end. Who, who did, on the, the, who did the, the Buccaneers draft Kyle Trask? Trask. From Kyle there Trask. it is. He's I'm thinking of a different Florida yeah. quarterback. Another Florida quarterback. Yeah. How's Kyle Trask? I heard not so good things lately. That he's not. He does. It looks like he's not really looked upon very well. Yeah, he wasn't very good in the preseason last year, which, you know, first preseason, I don't know if there's a lot of stock in that. But I think it said something that he never really worked himself on to because the Bucks have carried four quarterbacks for a long time. They also carried Ryan Griffin, who's now nine or ten years in the league at, I believe, Tulane or, or somewhere like that. Uh, he really never worked himself up to Gabbert's level last year as a, as a rookie. And the talk this offseason was – were the Bucks going to trust him enough to let Gabbert walk and Trask be the number two guy? But all indications are still that Gabbert will continue to be the backup and Trask will continue to be third string. So I, I think at the very least, he's not impressing. I don't know if it means that he looks terrible or that he's not working hard, but certainly he's not ahead of any curve. And 
again, that's why I digress. If your quarterback situation boils down to next year, Blaine Gabbert versus Kyle Trask, I mean, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter how much talent Tampa has. I mean, they're not winning a Super Bowl with that at quarterback. So, um, again, all, all eggs in the basket this year and justifiably so. You know what? One of my favorite, and this semi-changes the subject because we brought up Kyle Trask, one of my favorite activities to do yeah. is look at colleges and what where the former Florida quarterbacks went. Because there was a while, and it's still kind of ongoing, where you got a talented, you know, a talented quarterback that goes to Florida, and they transfer away, and they go somewhere else. Driscoll left. Yep. Driscoll was Florida Gator. He left, went to Louisiana Tech. Who was the guy that Will Greer? Uh, Will Greer went to uh, West Virginia. Who was the guy that left there and went to Boston College for a couple years? I wanted to say Anthony Richardson, but Anthony Richardson mm-hmm. is there now. Emory Jones is for gone. now. Yeah, <laughs> for now. Um, Trask did stay around. I mean, that, there was like Felipe Franks left, went to Arkansas. You could probably just end up with Ohio State quarterback at this point. You could, yeah. Cam Newton left but, and went to. But Auburn. you see, the thing about it is, there's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the one quarterback right. you should probably remember. But I say the thing about it is, a lot of the Florida quarterbacks started at Florida and then transferred away. There's a lot of like big name quarterbacks that go to you know like Ohio. Do you guys State. know where Emory Jones is right now? I had no idea. Is it, is it Emory look, University? <laughs> I had to look this up. I had no idea where he oh, was. Arizona State. Arizona State. I he is it. at Arizona State. Yeah, that's right. Forks where up. did where did uh, Daniels go from Arizona State? LSU. LSU. Because remember, you know, I'm a I was a future, but now not so longer Arizona Arizona State Sun Devil. And uh, I was very excited to watch Daniels play when I went to Arizona State, but then that never happened. Well, now he's in the LSU. <laughs> and now family. he's at LSU. He came to me. I didn't right. go to him. He <laughs> yeah. came to me. Um, what I wanted to say again: Julio Jones has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the question I want answered as we continue to do research all across the board. If Tom Brady throws a touchdown pass to somebody like Julio Jones this season, at this point. How many different people have caught a touchdown pass from Tom Brady in his career? Dozens. That's like, correct. what would be Dozens. the first number to guess? I think they had a list when he retired the first time, then he came back. So, well, I mean, well, dude, that wouldn't have changed if we could find that list. I want to know what the number is. I want to guess. What's the? Well, okay, well, I'm going to say an even 100 is going to be my guess. Well, how many touchdowns has he thrown? Are you, are you talking about regular season, postseason, like Just all, in, all everything? I mean, how many was it? Seven hundred combined touchdowns? Is that the is that the Every, thing he passed last year? Uh-huh. He either passed six hundred or seven hundred. I got it. Um, and you know, Grant caught like a hundred of them ish. Yeah, so maybe a hundred people catching a touchdown pass is too much. Yeah, probably That's not way that many, too much. But I it's going to be a big number, though. I, you, well, think, okay, think about it this way: like seven or eight people. Tom Brady has six hundred and twenty-four touchdown in passes. the regular season or total. Uh, uh, I think that's let total. Let me see. Okay. Let me see. If I, I think I have it right here, and they have. Oh, they have a top ten list of by number of touchdowns. Well, because here's what I'm thinking. Okay, the guy has been the starting quarterback of a franchise for just over twenty years now. You probably have. He has seven hundred and ten combined. Okay, that's six twenty-four okay. regular season, eighty-six postseason, seven hundred and ten combined touchdowns. So I, that's why both. Did you 600. find it, Jared? Uh. Oh, no. On, okay. let, 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 that, that's wait. why both six hundred and seven hundred were in my mind because he did. Wait, it. how many total did they have? I need to tell all these articles. Seven hundred and ten. Between postseason and regular season. Does somebody do five forty one plus seventy three and see that equals seven? What what do we call it? 
No, we're this, not going to get this, anywhere This is close. an article from May 2020. No. He's thrown a lot of touchdowns the last two years. He's had some of his best touchdown seasons of his career in Tampa. Uh, um, anyway, here's what I'm saying. If you if you think about how many different guys catch a, a touchdown pass oh, no, throughout a, a season, quiz on it. <laughs> there's probably 10 or 11 guys that catch a touchdown pass because you think about – you think about five or six wide receivers, you think about two or three tight ends, and you think about two or three running backs every single year. So that starts you off around 200 if you play 20 years. But obviously, a lot of those guys are repeats. Your, your Gronkowskis, your Edelmans, your Randy Mosses, your Rex Burkheads, like, like guys that catch them every year. So I, I'm going to whittle it down into a fourth. And I found maybe the number. Add a, add a few more to it. I'm going to go like 65 different guys have caught touchdown passes from Brady. I, I had the number from May number. of 2020, but from from this past year, I don't know what that number would be now. The current number is 87. Dang. That, okay, so 100 wasn't that far off. Seven players have caught a touchdown pass. 102 of them have been Rob Gronkowski. In the article, I had it had Gronk at 90, so it, right, yeah. 12 so. in Tampa. Um, 16 for Mike Evans. 10 for Chris Godwin, 4 for Scotty Miller, 8 for Antonio Brown, 3 for Cameron Brait, 2 for O.J. Howard, 2 for Tyler Johnson, and then 1 for Fournette, Keyshawn Vaughn, and 1 for Ronald Jones. Wait, how many for Mike Evans? 16. Why did this one say 26? But it's from May of 20... I don't know what's going on. 16 feels low. Evans has had... A double-digit season since Brady got there, but I don't. I don't mean. I, don't. I can tell you that second on this list is Randy Moss at thirty-nine, which says a lot about Tom Brady. Well, there's a lot of things to say about <laughs> Tom Brady. Um, well, there, a few more will get added. The moral of the story is Julio Jones will get added this year, so he catches a touchdown. Ooh. Russell Gage will get added. Yeah, uh, we have uh, the Bucks drafted a, a rookie running back. Yeah, Evans had 14 touchdown catches just this year, so it's not 16. Uh, he's actually got 27 in two regular seasons with Brady. And I'm adding some playoffs together here. He's got four in the playoffs. So he's got 31 touchdowns received by Mike Evans from Tom Brady. So why couldn't we just get him some wide receivers? Let me see the number. It is eighty-seven <laughs> players, eighty-seven different players. Oh, you went up. That was like eighty-three when you first said that. No, I said eighty-seven oh, the did first you? time. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. I don't. I don't know. I'm not paying attention. I found, Crazy. I found the list of uh, Florida quarterbacks that have transferred from Florida and ended up starting <laughs> at a Division One school. Brooks in a whole nother yeah. like zone. And it, it really didn't start until after Tebow. But after Tebow for Florida, it was Jacoby Brissett went to NC State. Heck yeah. Jeff Driscoll went to Louisiana Tech. Tyler Murphy went to Boston College. Um, I was going to say Will, who, but I guess that explains it. Will Greer uh, went to West Virginia. Felipe Franks went to Arkansas. And then Emory Jones has yet to be named a starter, but he went to Arizona State. That's a lot of quali- start. Start, that's a lot of starting quarterbacks that have left. I mean, and you've had a couple that have that were that got starts at Florida and then transferred to like Columbia and Tennessee State. I mean, because just like Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State has three quarterbacks that probably go start in, in half the country. So. But the thing about it is, Florida has not had the success of Ohio State to warrant like. Yeah, it's Florida. It's hot down there. Jesus, no one wants to stay out on there for long. 
Like there's that there's not been a, a, a starting quarterback at Florida that's like, oh, we have to sit behind this guy. Well, he's definitely winning the yeah, Heisman. Let's be have we? I mean, look at the last coaches of of, of Florida. Yeah. So like right. these all these quarterbacks are starting at Florida and then leaving. Like no, thank you. Yeah. Instead, like if you if you're at Ohio State, you're not you're not going to get a start. Like all these guys have gotten starts. Yeah. And they left Florida. Shout out to Joe Burrow. Shout out to Joe Burrow. But he shout didn't out leave to Julio Florida. Jones. He didn't leave Florida. He left Ohio State. Yeah. Oh, so he went to Ohio State. Yeah, we're talking about Ohio State. Is there another school that kind of does that other than Florida Ohio State that has a lot of quarterbacks? It's got to be. I mean, I would say Texas, but Texas is kind of down. You know who transferred to Florida that I forgot was there for a little bit. Malik Zaire. Yeah. He was Notre, Notre Dame. Dame and was uh, started at Florida in 2017. Brooks haven't thought of that name in yeah, since 2017. You, probably. You, you want to know a name that you haven't thought about from Notre Dame in a long time? And mostly because he, he now has PTSD from turf. Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> that poor man. That poor man. Cleveland killed that the man. Cleveland bro. I legit have not thought about Deshaun Kaiser <laughs> in a long time. Who was the one before Deshaun Kaiser? Everyone was like, oh, he's the next Thank really you good for one. that. Y'all drafted him. Jimmy Clausen? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Jimmy Clausen. There were some quarterbacks in between Clausen and Deshaun Kaiser. (laughs) But he was like on the cover of ESPN Magazine. They were like, he's the next big quarterback. It's like, nope. Sure not. Jimmy Clausen. I forgot about Jimmy Clausen. Shout out. You know, I I think... I think um, Ian God. Book had a big run. He, you know that was recently. Everett Golson. Oh, was before. I remember him. Jimmy Clausen. Um, and Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese. That's a name. I think Josh the Chosen Rosen still there somewhere. <laughs> he signed with somebody last week. He did. He's Cleveland. Like, he's it was like, Cleveland. <laughs> For real? It was Cleveland. Where, where careers go to die. And they had a workout. They brought two quarterbacks in. It was Josh Rosen and somebody. Imagine losing to Josh. We talked about this at SEC Media Days. Imagine losing to Josh Rosen. Who? AJ McCarron. It was AJ yep, McCarron. That's right. That's right. Because and saw they chose it. Josh Rosen. Well, AJ McCarron's like thirty-seven. I think. I don't know. <laughs> Not quite. But. Well, AJ McCarron. Well, he he was back for Cincinnati for a long time, wasn't he? Yeah, he's thirty-one. He got a start. I, I he, was close. He got a playoff start for Cincinnati. Heck yeah. But Josh he, Rosen is twenty-five. And, but I mean, the chosen Rosen. I mean. He's, you can't deny that. He's been that. chosen by Cleveland to go be sacrificed. And speaking of Rosen, our, 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 I don't know what, when, it, when it's time for a break. I mean, we're close to our break, Got actually. Got about a minute left. Uh, so, so are we going to talk about Kyler Murray having to be going back to school and watching film? Like, That's crazy. We need to bring that up. That was a wild story from yesterday. They're going to put that dude put on that a curfew. contract. <laughs> because he can't be out past 9 o'clock and no Xbox on the weekends. They're going to have one of those. Uh, what It's like the, the marketing technology that like tracks your eyes moving around the screen yeah and it's going to track his uh, his eyes on the computer they're going to they're going to give Kyle Murray a $30 allowance a day <laughs> the school bus is going to pick him up with the big Arizona Cardinals logo on it I can make a lot of school jokes I'm a teacher <laughs> yeah I guess you can I can I mean I, if you're making an investment that you know in a quarterback and you don't think he's like watching enough film I guess you got to like put that in his contract and say hey watch film Do you know People I wish forget. I could pay that money just to watch. Are you worried about that though? Like on some level, if you're paying that oh, guy yeah. that much money, like 
I mean, yeah, trying to yeah. make him but watch film. Remember, who, you can successfully do. Remember it who the backup was for Kyler Murray for this past year? Carson uh, <laughs> Carson Palmer again. <laughs> I think it was Josh Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was in Atlanta. Was he? He was Josh Rosen ended up in Arizona at some point. He, he was drafted, drafted there. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they drafted him. Oh God! Kyler Murray also a Sam transfer quarterback class started at Texas A&M before transferring to Oklahoma. Good for him. Yep. All right, we've reached the end of the first hour of Sports Call. Let's take a break. Alongside Jerry Dillard, Brooks Children's Around the Boy, I'm JJ Jackson. One hour of the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, Ryan the Boy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Lindsey Crosby will join the show from Auburn Daily and Locked on MLB Prospects. Big changes to the Auburn baseball facilities uh, that are super exciting. We've been talking about the news of the day. Julio Jones has agreed to a one-year deal to become a wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after a season with the Tennessee Titans and a long run with the Atlanta Falcons. He now joins joins Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Pretty exciting news there in the NFL world. Also talking about random transfer quarterbacks. Um, I was thinking of other schools that I've had transfer guys over the years. Uh, you know, there are a couple of Clemson quarterbacks that come to mind that have departed from the Tigers program. Remember Kelly Bryant at one point we thought that uh, he might be coming to Auburn, transfers to Missouri instead back in 2017. Clemson just announced that Hunter Johnson was going to transfer to their program. He was a 2017 five-star quarterback that lost the job to Trevor Lawrence and then transferred to Northwestern, and now he's transferring back to Clemson. You don't see that every day. If I'm going to ride the bench, I'm going to ride it where I first <laughs> intended to ride it. You don't I'm see that home, every everybody. day. Um, and then uh, they had a, a Zarek Cooper was their quarterback, another uh, big signee that transferred to Jacksonville State. So he's playing here in the state for the Gamecocks. And then most recently, Tyson Fominoki uh, uh, transferred you, you from Clemson to Georgia Tech. I'm sorry, sir. You shouldn't be doing the show if you're drunk. <laughs> I can't say his name. I apologize. No, I understand. Can uh, I tell you a stat that I saw? DJ Uyunglele 
and then they've got just say DJ for God's and, sakes. But DJ last year, Ooh. before you choke on your tongue. But last year they had that's funny. They had DJ, and then they also had Tyson Fui Tonga Lakaua. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but there's just no you way just, that's correct. You just sound like you're trying to eat a, a hot pizza with, with, with your mouth, and you're just trying to like fan it off. Like, stop that. Just, I, say, the just mo- say Tyson and DJ. We the get it. moral of the story here is that a get lot Hawaiian of quarterbacks, tra- oh. a lot of <laughs> a lot of quarterbacks transfer. Yes, because it's not a position where you can play two people. You can be one of three wide receivers. You can be one of two tight ends in some places. You can be one of two running backs. But the reality is a second quarterback is not playing unless you have a particular goal line package or you are blowing out somebody. That Who is, wants to say his name? Uh, no, not I. Well, Clemson probably has a pronunciation guide on here. Well, I can't find it. <laughs> and see. he's from Connecticut, Jared. Yeah, Connecticut, Hawaii. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And now he plays for Georgia Tech. Uh, you need to, let's see, before Clemson. Um, oh, look, it's literally the end. Oh, is it? Tyson Pumachon? That's it. Pumachon? Pumachon. Yes. <laughs> Why did you have like six? It's Pumachon. I was adding syllables. I'm sorry. It's literally at the bottom of the of the bio. Oh, Pumachon. Pumachon. That's see, really easy. Did you call him Puma? Tyson Puma NI, NIL deal Puma there you go Can my I f- mother just texted if that was my Jared listening and it's yes her lovely friend Jared Dillard's here on the show say hello to Mama Jenny hello Mama Jenny <laughs> and now I need to can I say this stat that's gonna hurt every yes. single Auburn fans feelings go for it it's a stat that I saw three days ago I don't know if y'all talked about it y'all been at SEC media days and weekend right Double check me on this, okay? Auburn. William Contreras is likely to be contra- traded by the end of the day. Yikes. Auburn Sorry. is the only Power 5 team in the 20th first century to not have a 1,000-yard receiver. Really? Is that? They're the only yes. Power 5 team. I don't yes. believe you. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I, I, I Vander, know Georgia Tech existed Vander, and ran the triple yeah, option. Vander, Georgia Tech so, like doesn't throw, didn't throw the ball. I might take your word for it, Jared. Go for it. No, I've had doubts. I've got to, I've got to look up some things. So no, no thousand yard receivers since two thousand. True. Yes. For Auburn, Darvin Adams had nine ninety seven and oh nine. <laughs> wow. Really, that is fascinating. I'm, I'm about to. I'm about to go through all this, Sammy. Coates. So who would be the? So so yes, I, I have to say shout out to. I, 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 Do you I, have Sammy I found, Coates number? I found it on Reddit. No, I don't have Sammy Coates number. <laughs> like his numbers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nine, nine, get the verification. Call him. He had nine oh two and then seven hundred something. Uh, so I, I did. I did not come up with this on my own. I got it from Reddit because you know I browse Reddit. Uh, if you go to CFB Reddit, uh, by reference the office. That's a username. Reference the office. Reference the office had this three days ago. He said, "Today I learned that Auburn is the only Power Five team without a single season with thousand yard receiver in the twenty first century. Nebraska narrowly avoided doing the same thing, but Stanley Morgan Jr. had a thousand four yards in twenty eighteen. This is unbelievable. 
I'm, I can't. All the receivers I'm looking up are short. Yeah, Adams had two 950 yard rece- uh, seasons. He did not get to a thousand. I just looked up Ryan Davis because he broke the receptions record, but he was only in the 800s. This is incredible. But I want to think like a school like Vanderbilt. I you was, know, no, Vanderbilt, I, Vanderbilt has I one. know that, but Kalijah, Jordan Matthews, Elijah Lipskin, and yes, and yes, the Paul Johnson led Georgia State Yellow Jackets. Had was, a thousand they had Calvin receiver. Johnson one yeah. year, didn't they? They had Calvin Johnson. So like, did he? I'm I was trying to look up his college stats. I, he definitely had a thousand yards, one percent. I, I, I think he did. Find it on this website. Go to yeah, Jordan Matthews. How can you? It's college. Now oh, you're Eagles on pro football College football. He, oh, look, yeah. thank you. He had a thirteen hundred yard season and a fourteen hundred yard season. There you go. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt had like a weird couple of years where they were like. Near 500, so that's not surprising. Yep, his last year at Calvin Johnson, last year at Georgia Tech, had 1,202 yards. So, so if anybody's listening, if you can find a team that didn't improve that stat wrong, please do. Because I, I, there's too many Power 5 teams for me to go through and figure all that lots, out. Yeah, lots of 700-yard guys that I'm looking up. DeQuil Williams, Ricardo Lewis. Um, Auburn has not had one in the, the 21st century. Good grief. Well, that... Everyone feel good about <laughs> so, so how are we feeling about our win total this year? Yeah. Yeah. Is this the year? Is this the year? Probably not. Um, that that's impressive, Jared. That's a great that's a great factoid. Uh, well, shout out to reference the office on Reddit for that. He all he had a Texas flair, so he's a Texas fan. So and like I can't even really say Wild Roy now started. I can't even really say yep. it makes Vander, sense. Vanderbilt Jordan Matthews 2013. Setting ago. place for the Eagles now. Thirteen hundred <laughs> yard season. Fourteen hundred yeah. yard yeah. season. Yeah. Open. Hey. Who else could? Who else runs the ball a lot? Uh, yes. Yeah, Starting of like run heavy teams. I don't know Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech was the best one, yeah, and yeah. then they had one. But I mean that's the thing is like I I can't even justify it for Auburn because yes Auburn's had a lot of periods where they've been run heavy teams, but like the, the Heisman they had a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Just, like, the, I know, just like, think of the worst team in each Power Five conference the last this century and just see what they did. And I know a lot of what Cam did was versatile, versatile, and he had incredible runs. But again, like that's a Heisman winning quarterback and nick marshall had you know games where he threw for 300 400 yards in 2014 like threw almost 500 yards in the iron bowl if not over so i would say wisconsin who's known for their running backs with uh their all-time leader in receiving yards lee evans in 2001 and 2003 1500 and 1200 receiving yards dang well nebraska was you know nebraska back then well nebraska was also in the big 12 back then um think about a team like i don't know Northwestern probably had one. I can't think of any Northwestern wide receivers, for God's sakes. Oh, this might have been a running back. Tyrell Sutton? I feel like it's a running back, though. Uh, Syracuse. Um, yeah. Pretty unbelievable. What a clunky deal. And so, given the wide receiver room for Auburn going into the season, we don't think they're going to have a thousand yard receiver. Uh, it's not the wide receiver I'm worried about. It's the quarterback. Oh, yeah. It's the person throwing the ball. Somebody's got to throw the ball to him. <laughs> yeah. North, Northwestern wide receiver Jeremy Ebert in 2011 had 1,060 yards. I don't even know who that is. Yeah. He was drafted by the Patriots. <laughs> I don't know who he is. Man. Man, oh, man, Sorry oh, Sorry to ruin everybody's day with that yeah. one. We need to take a timeout. We're talking baseball after this on Sports Call. 
We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Jared Dillard. If you want to be a part of the program, hit us up on the Auburn Bank phone line. We'd love to chat with you a little bit later in the hour. What we want to do right now is go to our phone lines. And joining us on today's show is our very good friend, Lindsey Crosby. He is the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, also a baseball writer and writer galore for AuburnDaily.com. Let's go to the phone lines now, and Lindsey joins us here on the show. Greetings, Lindsey. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing well. It's a day to be the Auburn Tigers baseball team. They're out some cool stuff. Yeah, no, it was really cool what Auburn was able to do today with those big changes, announcements to uh, the Plainsman Park facilities, new seats, uh, both in the uh, above the Green Monster and out with their hitting facility there in right field. I mean, this is just outstanding, the move that Auburn's been able to make there at Plainsman Park. And this is something that a lot of had been asking for, right? Part of it is you see fans sit on top of the monster, and, and but part of it too is kind of awareness of fan base since held up the deal, right? Since he got, he's taken this team to Omaha. You know, he's he's one. He's brought a, he's brought a home to Auburn, and it's time for the school for the program to invest in his facilities and his program. He can stay competitive with his peers and you to, to bring in great recruit classes into Auburn, transfer classes in Auburn, and competing for, well, for championships like they did this year. What a big move it is for this Auburn baseball team because we talk often about other schools trying to uh, potentially poach Butch Thompson away, and now that he's getting all of these facility upgrades, it certainly does feel like he's safe, and it feels like this is the place that he wants to be. Now that Auburn is winning a ton of baseball games, their program looks to be set for more and more trips to Omaha, more and more postseason success and competing in the SEC. It's great to be able to get more fans into the venue and that sort of thing. I mean, we should feel pretty pretty good about Butch Thompson and what he's going to be able to do in the years to come at Auburn, right? Yes, we should be very good and if you want like a feel good about what Thompson is doing at the MLB draft, we just you know, uh, we we show before about how Butch Thompson is working under a different set of rules as peers in the SEC because of the way the state and other state scholars and a lack of free scholarship and yet, Butch Thompson makes his team off for the second time full season, sends eight players in the MLB draft, and then gets every of his uh, recruits, including one top one and two, three, two recruits on campus. So the fact that he's able to do so much, essentially with one guy behind his back, kind of shows that you know he has what to get Auburn to a championship is Auburn reciprocated in kind and helping him build the fan experience, which is something he's talked about wanting to improve since he got here. 
Talking with Lindsey Crosby here, the host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. We're going to try and get uh, a better connection there with Lindsey. But again, the big news of the day, Brooks, they've announced a lot of big upgrades to facilities. After Auburn celebrated eight draft picks, now they've had more upgrades to the Plainsman Park facilities. Yeah, and and a couple of them are uh, uh, stuff that we've been talking about over the past couple of uh a couple of years since uh, there was a lot of different plans put into this the the uh, adding more first or adding more premium seating adding a right field terrace I know that was talked about at one point before this happened adding that right field terrace back on top of the new hitting lab and then it's always been you know I think like it, it felt like a pipe dream to put seats on top of the green monster and it was like oh that'd be so cool if you could do that and now they're actually doing it which is phenomenal phenomenal for this Auburn fan base and uh, you know the the this, we we talk about how they showed out for that regional earlier this year or, or up in June, back in June, and the more that you get, you know, premium seating and fun, I guess, fun seating like this at Auburn, the more you try to attract more and more fans to come out to the baseball games. Let's bring Lindsey Crosby back into the discussion. Lindsey, you with us? I am here. Yeah, sorry about that. I've been traveling today and must have had a bad connection. Well, here we go. We're talking about the draft and uh, eight players selected by Auburn last week. We were so caught up in the SEC Media Days headlines, but still plenty of reason to celebrate that Auburn's never had eight guys selected before. Let's get into the specifics, kind of highlight some of the Auburn players and where they're headed to start their big league career, Lindsay. Yeah, so so the first player selected, and probably not somebody that we had as the first player selected, but Blake Burkhalter is actually in day one, the very end of day one, goes to the Atlanta Braves. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover between uh, Braves fans and Auburn Tigers fans. No kidding. Uh, Mason, yeah, Mason Barnett goes to the Royals, and I honestly think that that's a a good place for him. I've seen what Kansas City is able to do with some of their pitching staff as far as uh, getting some of their young pitchers who have talent but are a bit inconsistent, kind of getting them to 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 settle in and solidify their mechanics a bit. Uh, Trace Barnett to Baltimore. Baltimore is building an absolute um, beast as far as a lot of talent in their minor league system. Gunnar Henderson's a guy that Auburn almost got on campus but goes in the draft to Baltimore and is now one of their top prospects. Uh, Arthur King himself, Sonny Deshera, selected by the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, and what's very exciting about this is he's already signed his deal, and they have assigned him to Double A, so he will be playing his his initial minor league games in Huntsville. Uh, very exciting. My my favorite match of player to team was Carson Skipper, so he gets selected by the Rockies, and I I really like him in that ballpark because he's a big fastball changeup guy. Doesn't have a you know his his slider kind of blends in with the curve. They're a really good organization at developing a power slider as a secondary, as a third pitch. Um, Hayden Mullins is going to the Red Sox. Blake Rambush to the Mariners. was very happy that uh, the Middle League scouts valued the, the grit and the tenacity from Blake Rambush. And then Brody Moore was rounded out the draft for Auburn in the 17th round to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, from what I understand, all eight of these guys plan to sign they plan to to enter the minor league systems, forego any remaining eligibility. Uh, but we did get word that lefty Tommy Sheehan is coming back to Auburn um, for his final year. He'll be a, a graduate student, uh, but he gives 
Auburn now a nice one-two punch pitching-wise over the weekend with Joseph Gonzalez in that starting rotation. And on Sonny Deshera, I, I know it's going to be really big for him to, to get to start in the state of Alabama and the Angels organization to get to start in Huntsville. But, Lindsey, how surprised were you that he is already going to be at the A level? Is it more a matter of just because he's older and a lot of these guys are, are usually out of high school or maybe just two or three years of college? Or, or why do you think he's going to be starting in A? I think it's it's mostly the age. There is a small component there of looking at the talent level across college baseball versus minor league baseball. And the, the industry consensus is the SEC is somewhere between high A and double A as far as overall skill level. But mostly it is his age. A lot of hitters who enter MLB, like you said, are much younger than him. And so this is in the developmental pipeline where he would have been had he been drafted after his third year of college. It kind of projects out he would have been about here now. So that's where they go ahead and they put him there now. Um, I do know it's going to be really exciting just because now we can go to Huntsville and watch him play and don't have to travel as far. Obviously, he'll be in Montgomery. He'll get to be around the Southern League. But it's, it's, it's mostly the age factor with him. Really exciting for these guys to be able to start their big league careers. And obviously, baseball is a sport that's so difficult. So many players, so many rounds in the draft. And if you're just being honest with yourself, it does not feel like you're going to see all eight of these guys ultimately live out their dreams of being big league players. But you never know. So, Lindsay, if you were to pick maybe two or three that you feel the most confident will one day get the chance to play in the big leagues, who would those two or three? Back, B. That is a very good question. I talked about this on, on Monday's Locked in the Movie Prospects about how, uh, on average, about 9% of drafted players Holy end up cow. actually wow. Yeah, 9% of drafted players earn at least 0.1 war in the major leagues. And so, you know, and, and then for every round below the first round, more than half of them don't even ever appear in a game. I'd say Blake Burkhalter is number one. Uh, the question that I have is that the Atlanta Braves have talked about they want to try him as a starter, and that's not necessarily something that he has a history of doing. He's been a reliever uh, all throughout his college career, but he does have, I mean, a, a four-seam, two-seam fastball, a cutter, a changeup. He does have quite a few pitches, and you can – I trust the Braves pitching development staff. You've seen what they can do, so I like that. I do also like Carson Skipper. Uh, the odds are against him being after the tenth round, I believe, from eleventh to twentieth round. It's like, uh, what is it? It's like eleven or twelve percent of guys actually ever take a single um, pitch or that bat in the major leagues. But I like the combination of his physical tools, how the Rockies develop their pitchers, and how well his game should translate to the unique difficulty of pitching in Mile High Stadium, pitching at altitude where it messes with your breaking pitches and what they can do. Taking a look at this Auburn team, now that eight guys have heard their name called and they're starting their professional careers, as you said, not expecting any of those guys to return to the Plains. Looking at Auburn going into next season, uh, what's this team going to look like next year, Lindsay? So you're looking at a team that's going to rely heavily on some of the returning veterans. Uh, Nate LaRue had multiple teams reach out to him during the draft. He chose to to decline their overtures coming back to Auburn. Same thing with Bobby Pierce. I expect big roles for both of them. And then the fact that you brought in your entire recruiting class means that you have some players who, by virtue of losing 
eight guys to the draft, you're going to have some of those guys. They're going to need to compete right away. Um, Drew Nelson, the the freshman or the the incoming freshman out of uh, Troy, I see him as a a potential possible freshman midweek starter for Auburn. Um, you look at some of you have a, a, a Zach Crotchbell and an Ike Irish, two guys I think that could have an impact early their their freshman year, but it's going to. Other than that, it's going to be business as usual. You're going to have Cole Foster moving from second to short. You're going to have, I believe, Jason Howell is going to return. You'll have him in center. You'll have Bobby Pierce in right. You'll have room for for uh, a, a freshman outfielder in left. You could also probably play Josh Hall, maybe Bryson Ware, who will be returning as well. Mike Bellow uh, should pitching. be back. Yeah, you got a lot of guys that uh, can contribute yeah. in the outfield. Which is odd because we, we felt, I felt like last year we had very little depth in the outfield. Right. But, you know, Right now, it looks like we have an abundance of options. The questions that I have are going to center around that third starting pitching spot, right? You've got um, Joseph Gonzalez locked in. You seemingly have Tommy Sheehan locked into his starting spot. About 22 months after Tommy John is when guys are reportedly kind of back to who they really are as pitchers. And you saw Sheehan look a lot better towards the end of the season in the postseason. And so I imagine... Uh, by next spring, he's going to be one of your two weekend guys. So who's your third weekend starter? It was going probably going to be Miami of Ohio transfer Jonathan Brand. Uh, he was coming in as a, I believe, as a grad transfer to come in and pitch. He was selected in the draft, I believe, also by the Red Sox. And so who's in that third role? You've got some veterans you can use. Uh, Carson Swilling might be a guy that moves from from the bullpen into the starting rotation. There's a possibility of, of one of the returning guys who was a freshman last year, maybe a John Armstrong, maybe a Chase Alsup. A couple different options there for that that um, that third pitching spot. But I do know that either way, fall ball is going to be really entertaining. You'll have some incoming transfers on the planes as well as these returning guys. It's going to be really fun to see how Coach Thompson and staff mix and match guys to different roles. Let's get you out of here with this. Talk with Lindsey Crosby right now, locked on MLB prospects and a writer for AuburnDaily.com. As uh, we look at this draft and baseball fans at the top saw some very familiar last names. Two guys at one and two, Jackson Holiday and Drew Jones, the son of Matt Holiday and Andrew Jones. How good are these guys, Lindsey? Like, are they going to have uh, pretty awesome big league careers like their fathers? <laughs> The bit of analysis that I dropped uh, on our MLB Draft live show was that they're the two best players in the draft, and I, but I think that Drew Jones has the potential to be a generational talent. Uh, the, the comp, and I went on a lot of shows in the last two weeks, and they always ask for comps, and I tend to not do them a lot because I don't want guys to think, you know, to get wrong expectations, but I do see a lot of Andrew Jones in the game of Drew Jones, the way he plays defense, the way he the way he hits, the way, you know, the arm that he has out there in center field. And so I think he's going to be the better of the two. Both these guys are going to contend for all-stars. And really the only significant difference is one's in the outfield and one's in the infield. Uh, both these guys are really good. And we had a great lineage of sons of professional athletes in this draft. Carl Crawford's son was in there if you want to feel old. <laughs> um, you know, just, just quite a few descendants of professional baseball players and that's actually something that some teams have started to look for because they have a better idea of how to project out the physical development of a player as well as those those 
children who grew up around the game of baseball typically have a better than average understanding of the game and some of the intangible stuff that we haven't quite found a way to measure yet. So interesting little note I picked up from an MLB scout while I was preparing for this draft. Lindsay, I think people, you're right, oftentimes you throw out player comparisons and they're not so thrilled because then you've got all these expectations to live up to. But when you're somebody's son, everybody, no matter what your walk of life is, tries to emulate their father. I think it's perfectly fine to say that Drew Jones looks like his old man out there. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee you that he was probably four years old and he was running around the outfield in Atlanta watching (laughs) his dad do it in batting practice. So, like, that's the thing is he legitimately can look like his dad because he's been watching his dad do it his entire life. And if he he ends up being 90% of the player, 85% of the player that his dad was, the Diamondbacks are going to make my prediction come true when I said that they had the best day one of any team in this draft. Lindsay, tell folks all about your work, not only what you got going on there with the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast there, but I know you're going to be contributing all throughout football season with Auburn Daily and more. So give us a full rundown, sir. Absolutely. So I cover the, the sport of baseball multiple different ways. Like you mentioned, AuburnDaily.com. I cover, uh, I'm the senior baseball writer there. I'm also contributing to football coverage uh, this fall. Again, AuburnDaily.com. I've got the podcast, Locked On MLB Prospect. It's available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Uh, the number one daily minor league baseball podcast um if you have any questions about auburn athletics or about minor league prospects you can find me on twitter at crosby baseball i'd love to answer you in whatever form i can perfect thanks so much for the time Lindsay. good to hear from you we'll talk again soon thank you all all right, that's our buddy Lindsey Crosby joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 888 9 if you would like to be a part of the show. Yeah, at the top of the draft, Andrew Jones, longtime Braves center fielder, number 25 out there for our Braves, known for robbing home runs and hitting home runs. His son, Drew Jones, Went number two overall in the 2022 draft that we saw last week. And then Matt Holliday, the longtime left fielder for the Colorado Rockies, spent some time playing for Jared St. Louis Cardinals. Heck yeah. His son, Jackson Holliday, the number one overall draft pick by the Baltimore Orioles. So here we are all in our mid-20s, and we're seeing some big league names that we knew when we first started watching the sport and their children are now being drafted to the major leagues. I told you, it was a couple weeks ago, I think I said it on the airwaves, that I've already felt old when I know Tory Hunter, Hunter Jr.'s son was already in double A. Well, Brooks, you're like 30. so Yeah, like. well, it still feels old. Um, and hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, Drew Jones actually just hurt himself today. Um, Uh-oh. He has a shoulder problem after day one of batting practice uh, with Arizona, and they're, they fear he could be lost for the season already. Their, their last three number one picks have all had shoulder injuries uh, almost immediately after joining the organization. So, so Arizona being very snake-bitten currently. So what you're saying is Cleveland NFL is where quarterbacks go to die. Arizona and the Major League Baseball is just where your first-round pick just, yep. by God, their shoulder's gone. Yep, no so, shoulders available. So where's the black hole in basketball at? Um, anything pertaining to the Sacramento Kings. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Oh, good stuff there from Lindsey Crosby. We are also talking about the big upgrades coming to Plainsman Park. Big time, big time upgrades coming to Plainsman Park. And speaking of the Auburn baseball program, they've got their head coach, Butch Thompson. You guys know him. Here's what Coach Thompson had to say on the new upgrades to the Plainsman Park facilities. 
uh, I think about our fans of selling out Plainsman Park in, in uh, 2020 after the 19 World Series and then going through COVID and then doubling down this year and stepping up to the plate coming off of a tough season and our fans sold more <laughs> season tickets than ever before and at the end of the day we wind up having more people come through the turnstiles at Plainsman Park than ever before. So our fans have stepped up. I believe in our fans and I think they believe in, in Auburn baseball like never before uh, to see that being built up. Uh, we kind of tried to tip our hat to them by hosting that regional here and checking another box and there's so many more boxes for us to check. But now our leadership has stepped forward. The leadership in, in Alan Green and you know our, our, our new president Chris Roberts and, and our amazing board they believe in Auburn baseball and I think these three phases absolutely show that that this is the time this is a moment for us to be all in in full alignment and uh, I couldn't be more thankful I couldn't be more excited about our future of Auburn baseball by getting these three phases online and already we have an unbelievable real estate proposition where we're located on this campus next to our football stadium our classrooms uh, our players dorms uh, where they eat where they train where they study everything that they do is right here our footprint's unbelievable and it's a beautiful ballpark when this thing was built uh, Mr. Sanford uh, Hal Baird put in Plainsman Park in place it was second to none it's time for these three phases to kick it back up to the top of college baseball and so there's a belief system from you know our players our fans and now our leadership to to make Auburn baseball as great as it can be I couldn't be more excited couldn't be more excited. That's Auburn baseball head coach Butch Thompson a little bit earlier today. That video put out by Auburn or Auburn baseball on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, he should be excited about what this baseball program is capable. Coach Thompson will be on sports call within the next week or so and cannot wait to chat with him about these new upgrades, about what his roster is going to look like next season. We're getting seats on the Green Monster oh, like you see fun. at Fenway Park. It's going to be fun. Is there going to be a net to catch people when they inevitably fall from, the, from, from too many I hope drinks? that doesn't take place. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm in, in right field, what do those seats look like? I can't wait to just visualize what those look like next year in those SEC series no, it, when you pack the place out. It's going to look great, but then you have to remember that the season always starts in February where it's cold and we're playing nobody team. That's true. And yeah. so people are going to look at it and be like, ew, why is nobody sitting up there? Or why Nobody's there. It's like, and it's freezing. You got to wait for the SEC game. Right. So like, don't... Yeah. I'm going to say, wait till that, that uh, Friday night series in February where it's 40 degrees and see how many people are sitting on top of the monster for those. <laughs> Not many. Those will be the real ones. Those will be the real fans. The Plainsman Park deck, they're still involved, That's too. That's right. Hey, can I bring something up right quick? I know it'll take like th- three seconds. Go ahead. Remember when I said Auburn hasn't had a thousand-yard receiver since the 21st century? Right. You know, in that same time span, the, the, the Kings have been to a conference finals. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 2001 <Wow>. baby <laughs> yeah. what a year it was keep bringing those awesome stats on the show jerry keep it it's up it's not okay? awesome to the people listening <laughs> oh yeah you're right let's take a quick time out sports call continues in a moment jj jackson and the guys want to hear from you Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. 
This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back into the program. This is the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show in the state of Alabama. This is Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. My name is JJ Jackson, proudly hosting Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard. Call us. We want to talk to you. 334-887-3401. Thanks again to Lindsey Crosby for joining us on the show a moment ago. Also on today's program, we are going to chat... Yes, we are. We are going to chat with our good pal, Bennett Durando of the Montgomery Advertiser, a little bit later in the program. Counting down the days until Auburn football opens up. Fall camp. You know when that is? Next Friday. It's almost here. Why Friday? Next Friday. Why, it's right, why Friday? I'm not sure. I don't make the schedule. I'm what is Horson doing on One Friday? Day, <laughs> take a breather? Yeah, yeah. I was like, start on Monday. Everybody's I actually there. do think they'll also practice on Saturday. Oh, okay. Well, because I – well, it's still not a full week. I was always down in high school and college to start first week of a new semester or school year in the middle of a week. Well, let me always, warm up to it. Always. Give me that Wednesday start so if I can If you go slowly... back to school on Monday, no, 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 what, Tuesdays? no. Tuesdays? Because, like, week not one – Not great. Because of syllabus days and warming up stuff, you could almost get through week one without homework. you, you got to keep in mind all the, the – Wednesday al- might be the perfect day to do that. you got to think about all the alternating day classes – yeah, but and that's I'm, why but, Wednesday's tough. Yeah, well, no, but it's easier. It's easier that you can't do Tuesday because then you have. Oh, don't tell Auburn High that. <laughs> you, well, you 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 would have two. Are, are you saying the the classes? I, I'm thinking in terms of university and how Tuesday, Thursday are hour and a half classes essentially, or hour fifteen classes, and Monday, Wednesday, Friday are fifty. Minutes, oh, the, the only reason Auburn High does it is because alternating day classes are even length. Yeah, and they're okay. and, and they will they will meet. Well, that's fine. Tuesday, Thursday, and then Wednesday, Friday. That's fine. They, they kind of need. That. I was thinking for the university, if you have a Wednesday and Friday, or you have a Wednesday start, you have Wednesday and Friday classes, so you have roughly, you know, an hour forty of class time, but then you have an hour fifteen, whatever it is, uh, of Thursday, and it's like, oh, that's that's pretty even. After going to grad school, my concept of time is gone because <laughs> grad school classes were just whenever you were you had a pulse, so. So, explain this to me. You alternate classes as a teacher. I don't. <laughs> you have the same class with the same kids every single day of the week? Yes. But other parts of the school alternate? Some do, yeah. Like what? On a blue, They have a blue schedule and a white schedule. So, what is on a blue schedule? Do I look like a counselor from Auburn High School to you? <laughs> I'm just curious because... Would you rather be referred to as counselor? Or would you rather us talk to you about Auburn High stuff or Thunder Chicken stuff? <laughs> All right. So talk about Auburn. <laughs> there, that's what I thought. No, but I'm saying like if you go Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mm-hmm. and you're saying all the class periods are the same time, yeah, but then Tuesday and Thursday are different too... Then you're clearly going to get behind. It depends on a student's schedule. Do we go blue, white, blue, white, blue, and then the following Monday pick it up on white? Yeah. 
You do that? Yes. That's hard to keep up with. Is uh, it not? I, I don't have to. This, <laughs> this student does. I just show up you, there. Hey, what class is this? Oh, it's intro? I I got y'all. That's you, all I do. You just get to show up every day is the same day, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You think I do anything? <laughs> I, I, don't mean, even, I don't even teach one of my classes anymore. Don't tell the school that, though. I kind of just stand there. Yes. Right. So don't, but they don't do great work. That. You guys are yes. doing great stuff. Yes. Keep up the good work. Yes. We have 20 nominations for awards so far That's this outstanding, year. outstanding, man. Well, you know, well wherever, wherever I go, awards go, but we don't talk about Thunder Chicken. But you also have some good students. Let's give them some love. No. Okay. All right. Wow. All right. Until, uh, they, until they do something this year, that was last year's accomplishment. That's it's a true. Di- it's a different year. That's true. We got to do something new this year. What about uh, Thunder Chickens tonight? Well, there will be a game played. I don't even know, like, hold on. What do you think of the lineup? I ha- I I may be quite honest. Even as coach, I have not seen it. Posted two minutes ago. Two minutes ago. Yep. Let's see. Ryan Van Yep. That's better. That's okay. That's better. I'm glad we we dropped Daniel down to break up. I was about to say. I, I thought he was going to say I'm still batting too high. I mean, Brooks, if it was up to me, you wouldn't be on the team at all at this point. <laughs> you see, you can't do that because I paid money to be on the Are team. Are you still working on one hit on the year? No, I had a couple hits in that first game, didn't I? Brooks. No, that was you a field have of choice. One I'm, hit. <laughs> one. Let's change that tonight. I yeah. believe in you. I think I, it's gonna happen tonight. I, I'm pretty sure on the in the I com- think it's gonna happen for him tonight. I'm pretty sure in the comments of the last game that we played, the final score, I actually have your stats highlighted. Check that. <laughs> check, check, check the final score of the last game. We don't have to. Yeah, do it. No, we don't have to. I do remember that you had um, highlighted his name. I had to let him know. I had to let his fans know. Well, I, what fans? The Mobile Gator. No, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. I'm ready to play tonight. Me. A week away. Brooks, are you ready to get back out there? Yeah. I, I mean, we were gone for a week. I wish it wasn't at 8.30. I wish we were playing at, at either 6.30 or 7.30. I wish we weren't like one game 8.30. Uh, yeah. That should be if illegal. We played two games. That'd be fine <laughs> at 8.30. But. That should be illegal for you to play one game and you got to wait till the last time slot. Illegal. Well, this team that we're playing is four and three. Go ahead and put the game under protest. <laughs> They're four and three? They're four and three. And they're playing at 6.30, so it's going to be their second game of the evening. we got to capitalize. But they get an hour of rest. Let's see. Um, I'm trying to see a, a, a team that they beat Los Warriors. So that doesn't look good for us. Yikes. Hey, they lost 15-1 to 1 to most barbecue. We lost, what, 20-1? to 1? Something like that, yeah. Okay. Um, that, that's not still not good for us. They beat loose cannons twelve to two. Yeah, that's, that's not a good sign for us, is it? No, none of this is. Really, the moment we signed up was not a good sign for us. Yeah, well, look, they're four and three. I think we can win. I think so too. I think so. I think it's we're going also, to. Uh, it's going to okay. be Barry's last game. It's going to be dun, Barry's dun, last dun, game. Dun. It's a moment of celebration. And we got to go out with a bang. Big time! Like this hour is going out with a bang. Boom. Big time! All right. Sorry. That Uh, should be a hotkey. Big time! Big time! Anytime there's there's news, just like an acquisition. Big time! (laughs) Um, That does it for the second hour of our show alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard. My name is JJ Jackson. Big time! Two hours in the books, and we're rolling.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard. We hope that everyone has had an enjoyable Tuesday so far. We certainly have. As we take a look at our show today, let's give you the Daily Show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um... Can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? Our daily show recap. Brooks Childress, what has happened today? Uh, A lot of stuff has happened today. We've talked about uh, Auburn baseball, some of the new improvements going into Plainton Park that were okayed by the uh, Board of Trustees. We've also talked a lot about uh, NFL wide receivers, specifically the one in in general we've been talking about is Julio Jones signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today on a one-year deal. Uh, As Ryan has said, on and off the show they're going for it this year is you got maybe one more year with Tom Brady so they're getting stacking up that offensive side of the ball and continuing to add pieces down down in Tampa and so trying for another Super Bowl this year with Julio Jones uh, we talked to Lindsey Crosby a little bit earlier on the show you can go find that on our sports call podcast feed right up after the show uh, talked to him about uh, Auburn baseball players going into the MLB draft getting drafted into the Major League Baseball last week and uh, the future of Auburn baseball coming in next year as we get set for um, you know the rest of the summer and heading toward fall ball here in a couple months down uh, over at Plainsman Park. So had a lot of great stuff to talk about on the show today and uh, we're still got another hour of fun to go. Yeah, no, it's uh, been a good time so far. I uh, enjoyed the conversation with Lindsey Crosby. A lot of Auburn baseball prospects got drafted and that was off a team that coming into the year was picked of course, you've all heard it, last in the SEC West, and that means that you probably don't have a lot of MLB draft talent, but Auburn found a way and obviously had a big season getting to the College World Series, so when you're able to turn tables like that get to the College World Series, that means you had some pretty good players to help you do it, so Auburn had a very successful draft, and I know we didn't really get to it, but they also had a successful draft and some of the guys that did not get drafted. Some guys out of high school that Butch Thompson recruited that are going to uh, be coming to Auburn that either were not drafted very high or, or at all. So Auburn dodged some bullets there. They had good success with the players that they had in the program last year, and they've also had some success keeping some guys that they really want in the recruiting class. Still to come this hour, we're going to chat with Bennett Durando from the Montgomery Advertiser about fall camp getting started, his takeaways from SEC Media Days. Uh, been on the Auburn beat for about a year now, so going to be fun to catch up with him for the first time ever here on Sports Call. If you would like to be a part of the show, give us a call, 334-887-3401, as we take this opportunity to go to our Auburn Bank phone line. And joining us now on the show is... Sean. 
Sean has called in to Sports Call today. Hi, Sean. Hi, Jack. How are you, buddy? Very good. Very good. Very, Very good. By, by, by myself. You're at home by yourself? Yeah. You better be All on your time. best behavior. Yeah, I'm good. I sit home watch TV everything. <laughs> That's a fun thing to do, just sitting around watching TV. What you been watching? Uh, Simpsons and uh, all kinds of stuff. All the fun stuff. Yeah, good time, good time. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Yes. I'm not fired. I'm not fired. Okay, very good. Very good. I like that. Uh, Darn. The other guy's fired. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We'll fire the other guys. How about that? I'll even work here. (laughs) (laughs) you got us you got us that's right that's right and the braves play tonight buddy i hope they do win against the phillies i hope they do win if not i'm brown you tonight you're gonna watch the braves game oh you got football practice Oh, little kids football practice. All right. I'm from Tazi. Say I that again? Ta- I live in Tazi. In Tallahassee. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Well, we, uh, we enjoy when you call in and we enjoy following along what you got going on in your world, Sean. I thought I thought put uh, that on cup. Say that I one said, more time. I said screw my dad on cup. You were talking to your dad? I said put my dad on cup. I gotcha. All right, man. Well, thank you for the phone call today. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day, all right? I ain't been calling lately. Yeah, you haven't been calling lately. We've been missing you, so you could you could start calling back, okay? I'm trying. All right, man. You keep trying, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Yes. Fire. Oh no! <laughs> you got me, Sean. You got me, man. All right, buddy. We gotta go. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. All right. All right. Bye. That's our buddy Sean giving us a phone call right there. I think we all were just fired in the span of sixty seconds or so. So it happens from time to time. Maybe we'll try again tomorrow. Yeah, Maybe bounce, we'll behave better back tomorrow. Stronger. Yeah, that's what we got to do. We got to bounce back stronger. Braves do play a little bit later tonight against the Philadelphia Phillies. Boy, they lost a tough one yesterday. Uh, Three-run home run by Philadelphia in the eighth inning, and they walk away with a 6-4 victory. Spencer Strider gets the baseball tonight for your Braves, and the Braves are trying to avoid their first three-game losing streak of the season. They have never lost three games this season in a row. They've lost two games in a row right now, and so hopefully we will see our Bravos get back in the win column. Yeah, of course they got the margin down to a half a game with the Mets and then unfortunately take a, a couple of tough L's, one in that they give up five in the very first inning and are never in the game and then have a late lead that they lose on a, a three-run home run uh, off a lefty-lefty matchup. So, I mean, you know, I, I think that ultimately they're going to – you know, be in this for the and you know duration duration of the last two months, but I think it's going to come down to 
their head-to-head matchups against the Mets, and I think they play like five of them uh, in the in the beginning of August. They have like a five-game series there because they've got a doubleheader in there, and they're just going to have to beat the Mets straight up. But looking at the deadline news, I, I think the Mets are, are going to be active. I, they already acquired Daniel Vogelback and the human and a half that he is. Yeah. But, but uh, I saw someone I, just posted a clip of him running from second to home. Yeah, and just what it looked Running. like yep. <laughs> yeah. and but I, I think you know there's news today that they're looking at uh, wilson Contreras of the cubs and david robertson um we know steve cohen and his short time at the, as the mets owner they're going to spare no expense and they're going to try and acquire players so i, I think that we're going to start talking here in the coming days about the trade deadline which is one week from today about what the Braves need to do now that Adam Duvall is out for the year and about what the Braves might need to do with the outfield uh, depth and everything because they're still trying to avoid having to play Marcelo Zuna in in the outfield. And and let's be honest, I know that Eddie Rosario got the surgery. I know he's behind the times, but he's still not hitting, um, to be quite honest with you. So uh, they still have some, some questions there. And now that Ian Anderson, I mean, he's been pretty bad pretty bad this year uh especially as of late his era has ballooned over five uh that's not someone you can that's not something you can have on a division winning team so uh, i think they've got to look at another starter now as well and uh, i don't know if that's i don't know if you can really rely on someone from triple a kyle muller's had a really good season but he just got injured with his non-throwing hand that might try and pitch through it but nevertheless not a hundred percent uh, I don't know. I don't know Ian Anderson's young. You don't want to give up, but I think that Ian's always been in a difficult spot. I, I've never really been a huge fan of him because he's a two pitch guy, and two pitch stars to me their their margin of errors are just so slim, and especially for him, he has he he, he throws this curveball once in a blue moon, but it's not effective, and he doesn't throw it enough to really say he's a three pitch guy, and so he doesn't have anything that that goes side to side. So if it starts outside, there ain't a two-seamer coming back. You know, like you sure. let it go. If it starts inside, it's not going to slide to the front door slider. So it's really easy for guys to take inside and outside on him because he really just doesn't have anything that moves to the side. It's only down on the changeup and then his fastball. So I, I'm just not really high on Ian Anderson. I, I know that he has had incredible postseason moments, and you always appreciate that. Uh, to the highest degree but i think this year you're seeing how a two-pitch pitcher just has no margin for error so uh, this next week i'll be very interested to see the the trade deadline accessions because the braves and mets have a a a really good race brewing that i think is going to come down to the wire but it it could be one look the braves won a world series by the the trade acquisitions they made last trade deadline and the guys that they got were huge. All of them, Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, and Jorge Soler, huge in what they did in the postseason. So very important next week. would like to see the Braves do something. Let's go ahead and we'll take our next break here on the program. When we come back, Bennett Durando from the Montgomery Advertiser joins us here on Sports Call.
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. All right, welcome back into the program. You're listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show here in the state of Alabama. This is Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. You can also listen on the Tiger Communications app. You can stream us wherever you go, and you're always able to listen to the program. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Jared Dillard. Our studio's here on South College Street. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years, and they proudly sponsor the Sports Call phone line. So with that being said, let's go to our sports call phone line and bring on a new guest a new friend of the program someone we've known for a little bit it's uh, Bennett Durando of the Montgomery Advertiser your beat writer for the Auburn Tigers and Bennett is kind enough to join us here on the program thanks for the time Bennett how are things going for you in your world doing pretty good JJ getting ready for things to sort of ramp up here in the next couple weeks there's big cat uh, recruiting weekend and then fall camp gets going and, and before you know it we're into the football season <laughs> tell us what it's been like your first year covering auburn eventful <laughs> uh, you know i the i guess the overriding theme of the whole year was that i you know from an outside perspective obviously a football obsessed school such a great you know southern football culture here in auburn uh and, you know, the, the football team underperformed last season, the first losing season in nine years. And, and so I, I wasn't fully expecting to be covering a, a losing football season. And then a lot of other sports that sort of overachieved. Um, so sort of the juxtaposition of that, obviously basketball winning an SEC title, baseball worth making a college world series, and then gymnastics with the whole SUNY Lee craze and going to the final four. So I, there's no shortage of stuff to write about, stuff to be curious about. Um, And, you know, I I think even on the heels of a losing season for football, it strikes me how passionate this fan base is. Um, And so, I don't know. It is is not an easily deterred fan base, even by something like a five-game losing streak to end the season. So it's been really enjoyable to sort of engage with the fan base and cover all these different sports and sort of just – get ingrained in the community. And yeah, Ben, as you were talking about the, the Auburn basketball team achieving its first ever number one ranking in the regular season, almost had its first ever number one overall pick in Jabari Smith, and, and you went up there uh, to kind of cover the NBA draft. What was that experience like? It was great. Um, it was my first NBA draft uh, as a reporter or otherwise. So, um, you know, it, it. I was really shadowing Jabari for most of that night. And um, we talked a little bit before the draft, um, sort of just the mindset he was in. He was really reflective sort of on, on you know, his adolescence and his time at Auburn and, and all of that. And I think inevitably when you have an opportunity to go number one overall, you fall to number three, the competitor in you is, is really disappointed about that. And Jabari Smith is about as competitive as anyone I've covered in my young career. I mean, this is a guy who studied YouTube videos about playing pool so that he could master the locker room pool table at Auburn. So falling from one to three, he wasn't going to take that lightly in in sort of the initial moments 
after he got drafted. And I, and I think it did sort of hit him hard for a little bit and just sort of following him throughout the night, talking with him throughout the night. You sort of see that evolve from, you know, initial disappointment and, and maybe a little bit of anger into, you know, that, that sort of fuel, that chip on his shoulder. And by the end of the night, he was pretty enthusiastic about being a Houston Rocket, even though it was a team that he hadn't even worked out with. He was, uh, you know, pretty bought into it, even, you know, within the span of an hour and a half after being uh, in a spot where he never thought he would be number three. <laughs> Take us into the draft, Bennett, because this is something that we've been watching our whole lives, and you've got the rooted interest now in Jabari Smith, where he could end up. Walker Kessler is selected there at the first round. Uh, we talk often among draft parties that you may go to to watch the event. You've got the guys that want to stare at their phone to see Woj or Shams break the news instantly. As someone who's there in the arena, what is that like? to watch the draft sort of unfold. Are you able to get scoops? I know, it was, as you said, it was your first time there. What was it like being there and just everything that you saw in the Barclays Center? It, it's pretty cool because you have every view of it simultaneously. So the media seating is down on the floor. Um, you're, you know, you're eye level with, with the guys who are attending the draft, the players you know, sitting with their families. Um, and then right above me, right above my press row spot, uh, is where Woj is wow. sitting, you know, at his little table waiting to do live hits for ESPN. And then, you know, you can tell when it's a commercial break or when he's not on air because he's looking down at his phone. He's, you know, probably tweeting something significant. Uh, so it's sort of fascinating to watch it all play out. Um, you know, I, we're separated enough from the players and their families that it's not, it's not like I'm seeing things or, or getting any sort of scoop before it actually happens. Um, but in the immediate aftermath of, you know, someone like Jabari or Walker getting drafted, someone who I've covered, I'm able to go into the tunnel, pretty much wait for them to make their way to that point. And then, and then I can pretty much walk with them under the arena. Um, you know, it, it helps that they recognize me and I've been around and covered them all year. Um, but, you know, they, they, there are about a million different media stops and photo shoots and, you know, little social media hits and all this stuff that, that the guys do. It's, it's pretty head-spinning stuff for, you know, in Jabari's case, a 19-year-old to handle, you know, while you're also processing the emotions of going number three after you thought you were going to be number one. So I, there, there's sort of a lot that goes into it. Um, it. It's a fascinating experience to sort of, you know, you look up and you see – what Woj is doing or you know you're you're alongside of a lot of your sort of fellow media members you're right there I, I was able to chat with Jabari on the floor like half an hour before the draft started you know so it, it's a pretty intimate experience as we look ahead towards next season for Auburn basketball, obviously a, a, a big opportunity coming up for the program, and the media got to meet with, with Coach Bruce Pearl and also Jay Billis, Roxy Bernstein, the other day. Talking about this trip to Israel, Bennett, what, what do you have for what this what this will mean for the team and, and the opportunity they have to do this? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the most important sort of takeaway is that you know, four years ago when Auburn did its last international trip and, and, you know, teams are sanctioned for one every four years by the NCAA, Auburn went to Italy. It's, it's a great opportunity for team bonding before a season that you might not ordinarily have, and it's in a place that you've never been before a lot of the time. It's 
you know, a, a pretty unforgettable experience, whether it's Italy or Israel or, or whatever it may be. Uh, and that team four years ago ended up being a 2019 Final Four team. So, um, yeah, there, there were guys on that team that sort of laid the groundwork for their chemistry, uh, bonded a lot. And that was something that Jay Billis hit on yesterday was something that Bruce Pearl talked about. And it, you know, that's sort of the same thing that, that feels essential for this Auburn team because it's another new look roster. As, as a program improves and you start to have guys come in who could be one and done like Jabari Smith or a transfer like Kessler who is there one season and then enters the draft, develops really quickly, you sort of have to start handling the whiplash of roster turnover uh, a lot sooner. Uh, it's not necessarily going to be the same group of guys for four years. Um, and Auburn has some returners, but there are a lot of new faces, a lot of guys who sort of have to learn to mesh with each other, and a trip like this is really good for that. You know, from a off-the-court perspective and an on-the-court, they're going to play those three games in Israel against some tough competition, including the national team and the U-20 national team. So uh, it'll be sort of an interesting way to see what this team looks like in action for the first time. Our guest is Bennett Durando with the Montgomery Advertiser. You can follow him on Twitter at Bennett Durando. All right, let's transition now to football. Here we are counting down the days until fall camp finally opens. We saw SEC Media Days last week in Atlanta. They're all week long broadcasting the show. And Bennett, we saw you come up uh, there throughout the week to cover Auburn as they get set for this upcoming football season. Anything notable that you took away from last week's events in the ATL? Um, well, there was a lot of talk about the February inquiry against right. Brian Harson. Um, and, and it's sort of funny to go into this sort of, you know, big national media hoopla thing as a local beat writer. And I was talking about this with some of the other local media. This is stuff that we've asked Carson about, you know, sort of from a variety of angles. It's stuff that we've asked the players about throughout spring. And, you know, a lot of it gets rehashed. A lot of it gets asked in seven different ways to, to Harson and the players. And uh, so it's sort of funny to see it from that perspective, first of all. And, and Harson, what stood out to me was that Harson sort of went in a little confrontational about it. He said, I'm going to hit it on it right now at the beginning of his um, opening statements on the main stage. He sort of had a little fun with it, which isn't something that we always see him do in a press setting. He, you know, called out some of the media and was, was like, some of you probably didn't expect to see me here. Uh, for a second media days. Um, you know, so there's some self-awareness to it, uh, bringing a little bit of punch to him, I guess, and, and then basically announcing, you know, he doesn't really want to talk about it anymore beyond this. So uh, it's all talking season. It doesn't matter that much at the end of the day. What's going to matter is whether Harson can win games and whether he can recruit in the next four months. And then you got the players that are alongside him as well. Their chance to meet with reporters. And as you mentioned, the local media is very familiar with these guys, having talked to them over the years and that sort of thing. What's the most interesting thing in your eyes about Tank Bigsby? Well, let me tell you, I uh, almost everything that we've done with Auburn football in the last calendar year had been on Zoom from a media perspective. Right. Uh, still sort of working through the COVID stuff. So – uh, I haven't had a ton of chances to be face-to-face with these players and get to know them in that way. Um, you know, whereas with basketball, things were sort of 
lightening up a little bit more during that season, so I was able to be around a lot of those guys more. Um, so I, I, just sort of being around them in person, I, I think, helps a lot. Um, Hank Bigsby was pretty... I, he, he was pretty candid about a lot of things. He was really adamantly defensive of Harson when he kept getting hit with a thousand different versions of, you know, is Brian Harson a good coach sort of questions from various reporters, various media. Um, I, I don't know. I, I thought uh, he was pretty articulate. Um, he was pretty adamant about wanting to stay at Auburn. The moment that sort of stands out to me is, um, him saying, you know, it, I could have run, I could have transferred, but the more that he thought about the possibility of doing that, the more it felt like, you know, if you're going to run now, aren't you going to keep running from adversity forever? I, I thought he was pretty eloquent in how he sort of approached some of the questions about being back at Auburn for this junior season. How many times have you been asked about the quarterback situation going into this upcoming season? Whatever the number is, add one to it because I'm asking you right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, that, that'll be number 46. Okay, uh, all right. <laughs> what an honor like for that. me. But but you know what? That's like a fraction of how many times Harson's been asked about sure. it. So, um, <laughs> he, you know, that, that's going to continue to be a thing. Um, it's, you know, Harson said that he wants to have an idea of it probably 10 days to a week before the first game, you know, going into a game week and sort of knowing who the starter is and being able to uh, game plan around that. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's really a three-horse race with Calzada, Finley, and Ashford. Uh, Calzada certainly feels like the favorite just in terms of the buzz going into fall camp. Um, there were definitely the most questions in Atlanta about Calzada. Uh, and, and Harson admitted that there's maybe a little bit of a competitive edge that goes to Calzada, just being a guy who had nearly a full season of starting experience right. last season at A&M, as opposed to, you know, TJ Finley had three games at the end of the season for Auburn. All of them were losses. Um, on the other hand, you know, there's some familiarity with the system for Finley having been here for a whole year. So, uh, I do think it's pretty open. I, I think it's fair to call Calzada the favorite, but um, I, I don't think that Brian Harson or Eric Kesaw is going into preseason practices with a preconception of who it's going to be. I think they're keeping a pretty open mind about it. Let me shift gears to you. Talking quarterbacks here, Bennett Durando, our guest from the Montgomery Advertiser. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Bennett Durando. Growing up in St. Louis, who is your favorite quarterback? Is it Kurt Warner? Is that safe to assume, Bennett? Oh, yeah, it was Kurt Warner. Uh, I Even after he was uh, no longer a Ram, I remember very avidly rooting for the Arizona Cardinals in the Super Bowl that uh, he led them to against the Steelers, and they ended up losing on the – um, the Santonio the Holmes, yeah, yep, yep, exactly. Uh, amazing Super Bowl, but very heartbreaking. I would have loved for the Kurt Warner to Larry Fitzgerald path to be a, a championship winner. So, do St. Louis people are you a LA Rams fan at this point? Or are you anti NFL? Like, what happens when your team's taken away? Uh, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. <laughs> uh, and here we are in our first conversation. I'm bringing this up, man. Wow. A, a lot of a lot of self reflection um, about <laughs> about my existence as a sports fan. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I I've pretty. Uh, I've been rooting against the Rams pretty much ever since they went to L.A. Wow. Um, so, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, the NFL doesn't exist right now until there's a new champion. <laughs> so do you just jump over to the Chiefs, or how does the, how does this work for most of St. Louis? Yeah, I don't – I think it – I think a lot of people were soured to the NFL as a whole. Yeah. I think a lot of people sort of shifted to the Chiefs. I was in Columbia at Missouri as Patrick Mahomes was sort of erupting – and you know, becoming the star that he is, and leading the Chiefs to a Super Bowl, um, and so you know, Columbia's smack dab halfway between St. Louis and Kansas City. So there's a lot of Chiefs fans, a lot of Kansas City natives in in Columbia and at Mizzou. So it's pretty cool to be you know in a college town, experiencing that atmosphere and the hype around the Chiefs during that. So it became easy to be a Mahomes fan and to be a Chiefs fan, even if you know, I, like I, I'm. I hate bandwagoning too much, so I, I want to be like self-aware enough about like oh I can't, I can't just become a Chiefs fan as they start you know <laughs> going to AFC Championship games consistently. But um, but that was pretty cool to be around while at Missouri. And then you had Pujols in the home run derby last week. I mean things are happening in St. Louis. I know, I know it was great. Pujols, you know, a childhood icon, you know, so. Uh, I, it's it's very cool to have him in St. Louis. I would love to uh, win another ring with him, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. It was, it was cool to see him in the Derby, and then to uh, see him win a round was awesome. I, I don't care what you say. I, I refuse to believe it was rigged. <laughs> well, if, if I'm not mistaken, you arrive on the planes and, and talk at baseball here with Bennett Durando, and then all of a sudden you find yourselves at the World Series, right? Did you go to the World Series this past year? So I, I was going to, and then it ended up coinciding with the draft. So ah. um, the NBA draft, I know. So it was it was sort of chaos, but I was covering it um, remotely, and I'd been covering the postseason run and all that. Um, pretty wild. I, I'm you know, talking it, about I'm talking about the Braves World Series. Were you not there? Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm uh, my bad. I thought you meant Auburn. Yeah, too, too many World too many Series, local World Series appearances. <laughs> um, yeah, the Braves thing was that that was cool too. You know, I talked about being in Columbia, Missouri when the Chiefs were winning a Super Bowl. It's sort of the same thing. Like being in a nearby college town to the city as a pro team there is going on a championship run. It's cool to just sort of soak in the vibes of the college town that's sort of savoring every moment of that. I don't know. I you know, I'm I'm not a Braves fan. I'm Braves fans probably hate Cardinals fans, you know, no hard feelings, but, but it was cool to see that a lot of my friends on the Auburn beat are Braves fans. And so I was, and you're talking to several today in the studio. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was happy for them to, you know, be able to celebrate that. I was, it was fun to see them happy. Well, Bennett, this has been absolutely great. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to answer the phone call and talk about the Auburn Tigers here with us. Tell my listeners, our listeners here on the program, how they can support the Montgomery Advertiser and everything you got going on. How can we support? Yeah, uh, you can go to MontgomeryAdvertiser.com. You can very specifically go to a story with my byline on it and subscribe from there. We have pretty cheap deals. I'm not it, it was a $1 for the first six months deal for a while. I think that's still going. Don't take my word for it, but 
nonetheless it support. Reason, yes, it gives you a go. It gives you a reason to go and, and see if that is still the deal. At any rate, I, I like to think that subscription is worth it. Supports my livelihood and uh, keeps me able to. <laughs> provide good Auburn coverage, hopefully. So, you know, subscribe. That's really the best thing you can do. Looking forward to seeing you throughout fall camp. Thanks for the time today, Bennett. Yeah, no, thanks, JJ. Anytime. All right. That's our buddy Bennett Durando with the Montgomery Advertiser joining us here on the program. A St. Louis guy um, and and good you to were, get that Auburn coverage. Those are some personal questions. I like to do that. When people come on the show for the, for the first, first time, I <laughs> yeah. really do like to do that. But I'm pe- like, some of those painful, though. Fair. The St. Louis like, is tough. Like right. I, I get the intrigue there. Like not a lot of sports cities have to oh, go I set through it up that. We're talking but. quarterbacks for Auburn. Who's your favorite quarterback if you're a St. Louis guy? I just wanted yeah, to confirm that it was Kurt Warner. You know, and then the team's yeah, taken away. To lose I was gonna, of course, it sucked. <laughs> I was, I was going to say uh, Jordan Thomas of the Battle Hawks. But <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, I don't think you want to jump we in that conversation. We didn't even bring up the XFL. Yeah. Hawks, <laughs> and then you have the audacity that you still follow the Rams? Of course they don't. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Maybe some people do. Maybe they do. I don't know. May, do you think Oakland fans follow the Vegas Raiders? Yeah. Possibly. Do you, think they're even, do you think they get it on some level? There's like, I'm not even mad. I'd go to Vegas. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oakland versus Vegas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we move there? And when the A's, when, yeah, when the Athletics move, what you going to do too? When they move to Vegas... Yeah, that was great. I, I, I uh, now obviously we've had a lot of conversations with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, been in our studio multiple times, and he's had Bennett on his podcast recently. Bennett's becoming known amongst the Auburn fan base. I'm like, let's get this guy on our program, and I really do feel like he went to the World Series game. I think he went to a Braves World Series game this past year. I could be wrong on that. Oh my goodness, well, but did, maybe not. I don't know. Wow. I and then know. we were talking about the Cardinals. I, yeah, there there was an alley oop against so against War Ready. It ain't looking good. What's the score right now? Uh, thirty-two twenty-five. Okay, well they, they actually closed it in. I it it was worse than that. To St. Louis, though. we talked about Alvin Pujols today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He says that he's hopeful they can get another ring, but maybe not. That, uh, no, they're just trying to. Make the, the Cardinals are currently fifty-one forty-six. Batting is good. Well, except when we go to Toronto, because we'll lose Arnado and Goldsmith, because, you know, not vaccinated. Right. Um, but uh, the pitching is – our best pitcher is Adam is Wainwright, well, yeah. and his, his his arm is in a geatric home, all right? So, like, there's nothing much we can do. <laughs> that's why uh, that's why we're, like, the big name on the road. It's impressive that he's doing this at this age. Yeah, no. What, no, it's still – it's impressive. But there's a reason why – 40 now? He's close. He's like I feel like thirty eight. He's like thirty. He's like thirty eight ish. He's but he's close. I appreciate him because because he doesn't throw hard. He you go look at the box scores. He throws a hundred pitches every game. Yeah. They, I mean, always seven innings, three runs, one hundred eight pitches. Eight innings, four <laughs> runs, one hundred and twelve pitches. Uh, seven and two thirds, one run, one hundred and fifteen pitches. He's like the LeBron James of betting. No, I'm just playing. That's each year. Whoa. He <laughs> is, Adam Rainwright is forty. He oh, will okay, turn forty one on August thirtieth. So this might be his last in this year. season. But he's got a load of in threes. You're right. He's not. He's been pretty good. He's been good. But I get the point. That's like if that's the only good pitcher you got. You know, that's that. That's why the Cardinals are like the one of the top teams on both Juan Soto's like mock trades and also now Otani, right? Now that the Angels apparently are. Shipping him, which is silly. I don't know that that. Or, 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 or ask him if they want pool holes. 
Hey, bro, we got a guy we think you're going to love. You wanted him really bad at one point. You gave him hundreds of millions of dollars. I was listening to Adnan Verk, of all people, talk about this. That's a name I've heard in a while. I know. Um, on the MLB Network, the Angels are paying Trout and Rendon roughly $35 million a year together. Each, or, but right. each, each, each. Yeah. Trout worth it. Rendon been a bad contract. Yeah, Otani's only making five million dollars. Right. Like I think that guy wants to get paid at some point. Oh, he will. The Angels are really weird because they have had zero success, really, and at all in the last decade. But they've paid probably as many big contracts as anybody. Yeah. Like, I don't know if the Yankees have paid that many big contracts because when you think about, yeah, you said Trout and Rendon, but the pool holes contract was huge. They gave Justin Upton like $140 million or something like that about three years ago. Bag secured. I mean, they, they've they've spent four, they've had four or five, maybe even six, like $150 to $200 million contracts and just seen absolutely nothing from it. Like, not at all. Yeah. I think they – did Trout play in a wild card game one year? Is that his only playoff game? I think they made a wild card game with him real pretty early in his career, and that's it. If I'm Mike Trout, what am I still doing in, in, in L.A.? Making money and living in California? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean – Yeah, but he can do that in New York. You know New York will give him the bag. Yeah, well, he signed the long contract, so it's going to have to be a trade. I mean, he's yeah. got like – Eight or nine years left, at least, no. on his contract. He's gonna through through his prime. He he'll signed you, with the. Did you get the Angels to move to Vegas or something like that and call it a day? If the Angels package <laughs> Trout and Otani together, would you have to trade over or under double digit things? Is there any scenario where you could trade less than ten things <laughs> for, for for the Trout Otani combo? Because you got to have, like, every prospect in the top 150. You can have every draft pick we have for the next five years. Well, it's that thing. You can't trade draft picks in Major League Baseball. You can only trade the compensatory Which I always picks. thought was odd, but I guess uh, it is what it is. Yeah, it is different. Um, I think also it just helps the how complicated it would get. I'll give you the 15th yeah, round selection. Ba- the basketball gets confusing for me. We just talk about protected yeah. and unprotected and pick swaps. And it's like, man, j- just just draft somebody. Yeah. Now, Walker, Kessler's, somebody. <laughs> Walker Kessler's like on his 10th team by now. Like, now Jesus. You, you got me worried that I hurt his feelings bringing up the St. Louis Rams. No, he's a tough guy. He's going to be all right. I'm just saying, hey, welcome to the show. How much pain were you in <laughs> when your favorite team left? Because Stan Kroenke wanted the bright lights of L.A. He grew up and spent his entire life in St. Louis. Like, yeah. I, just, I wanted to have that conversation. I didn't bring up the St. Louis Battlehawks of XFL that would hurt, that would hurt me have. more. That, that would probably hurt me more, honestly. Wait, but do you grow up in St. Louis, St. Louis, Kansas, or Missouri? What, huh? What is it? What? Wait. St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. Kansas City has both Missouri. Kansas. You're right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Which has always been really he trippy. In this St. is so Louis, sad. Missouri. The Kansas but, City, Missouri, I think, is more notable than the Kansas and the Rams. City. To, to my defense, yeah. I did get an A in geography in Smith Station, but it was, it was in Smith Station. The St. Louis Hawks have won an NBA championship in 1958. 
with Bob Pettit. Is that right before <laughs> Russell went on like 10 out of 12? They beat Bill Russell. Did they, oh, wow. They beat the Celtics. Did they beat that, Bill Russell. That, does not, I w- that was so long ago, I legally wouldn't be allowed to be in the studio with you right now if that was still the case. <laughs> uh, we didn't bring up the St. Louis Hawks. If yes. the Carolina Panthers <laughs> No, please don't. Move. Because people talk about these things, right? Or the Hornets move again. The Hornets didn't move on from Michael Jordan. That's what they need to do. <laughs> Carolina I, Panthers moved to St. Louis. And when Louis. it's your hometown and they leave? I, oh, if, no. If the Panthers moved to St. Louis, I'd love Bennett Durando to get you on a podcast and just ask <laughs> you how you felt about that. Not even that. If they just moved to South Carolina, it would he, hurt him. He said that he roots for them to lose every week. Is that what I heard? I yeah. Think I, yeah. He doesn't recognize the NFL right now because they're the defending champion. Yeah. I don't blame him. I bet Supersonics people hated the Thunder, too. I mean, see what is see? Why would Seattle like that? You went to a smaller city in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) relatively speaking. And that's why we didn't get a franchise in return. What was in Oklahoma City before the Thunder? Like a Walgreens? (laughs) (laughs) They have a AAA team. They used to have like the. I think they had the Oklahoma City Royals. I think the AAA of the Kansas City Royals. Banjo three. Where did uh, he missed? No surprise. Um, but anyway, (laughs) where did where did uh? I can't even think right straight right now. Who are we just talking about? A team. Danger. The Sonics? Oh. No, the Sonics, the, the, the Thunder, the Panthers, Panthers Oklahoma City, OKC. Oh, this is bad. The St. Louis Hawks. Everybody <laughs> wants to move to Vegas. This is bad. A's, Angels. <laughs> no, no. All those teams have come up. Let's stop thinking. Um, oh. No more thoughts on the program yeah, today? Yeah, you guys keep talking. Say We've got me- a few minutes left in the words. show. Oh, I had something good to say, and I can't remember it at all. I want to know where Brooks is. I'll just yeah, go ahead and say okay? He's been gone like 30 minutes. Yeah. War ready, I'm just, I'm just, War ready is down by 12, uh, but no matter what happens today, they, they have the same number of tournament wins as the Jabari-led Auburn basketball. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, this is what's bad, though. They lost to this team last year. Is this the Bucketeers? Yes. 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 They lost to a team for East Tennessee State. Well, JJ, yeah, but to be fair, like there, there yeah. are players on our team not from Auburn. I understand. <laughs> right. And also, I, I would tell you, too. Oh, three. Like, okay, we got it. Auburn's best but players are But would you call already an Auburn team? They are represented. Half, half. But would you call them an Auburn team? But aren't, aren't, and they call themselves yeah, an Auburn I mean, team. Yes. But, Do the Bucketeers call themselves an East but Tennessee State team? my issue here is, yes. JJ. It's the, a principle thing. No, the, the best East Tennessee State players are on that team. The best Auburn players are not on that team. Yeah. Isaac Okoro ain't on that team. Jabari Smith ain't on we that team. We should have flew down Sharif Cooper. Even Sharif Cooper. I mean, Sharif Cooper would be better than most guys on the floor. You know, right. like like that. My point is, for the most part, that's probably East Tennessee State's best players they've had over the last decade. But Auburn's best players in the last decade are elsewhere. That's fair. And yeah. even the two they got, Bryce Brown's not playing. He's injured, and Malik Dunbar uh, has issues going on too. So I mean, like, like if, if we took Providence's best players that graduated in the last five years, but they played against UNC's, you know, players that went in the league and went out in the last five years. Who do you think to win that game? Yeah, I see what you're saying. So yeah, like if if like Dion Thompson, your boy. I love him. You know, he was like the sixth best player NCAA on a national champion team, right? Like if it's a bunch of Dion Thompsons, well that doesn't really illustrate the history of North Carolina basketball, but yet it's a North Carolina affiliated thing at that point. 
So you can say, like, oh, how can North Carolina lose to Providence? Or how can they lose to, you know, Iowa State or whatever? Well, because Iowa State's got most of the players they that were at their best, and Carolina's all their best players are in the NBA. I can't remember what I wanted to say, and it's really bothering me. That's a shame. Really bothering me. You only have, like, two minutes of programming. For I know. Hey, Thunder Chickens tonight. We feel ready? Nope. <laughs> are we war ready, though? Hey. Uh, they're not. <laughs> Jared, Jared, are you ready? Uh, I'm hungry. Okay. Well, we'll see if we can do <laughs> He's ready for something. He's ready for chicken. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just hungry. The show's over now. Is it? We made it to the end. Everybody hey, go. Brant. I hate you. you want to get another <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, there we go. But I love Brant. I, I mean, I do too. I just don't tell him that. Right. You know, you know how you're. I'll play Switzerland, Brant. I'm neutral towards <laughs> yeah. you. You know how like your dad hits you, but he still loves you. Right. That, 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 no, that does not happen to me. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, domestic violence is not funny. Not funny. Not funny. All right, that does it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in and calling in. Thanks to Lindsey Crosby and Bennett Durando for stopping by. Brooks. Ryan, <laughs> thanks for being here. I just want to know where Brooks is. I had to put that note in there. I work for a high school. I, uh, oh, oh. Jared Dillard, thanks for being here. Hey, no problem. I'll I I I won't be here next week. All right, Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, Jared Dillard. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.